Hello everyone, welcome to Riot Act. This is the, the alternative music podcast. The only one, probably. I don't really know. The best one, definitely, definitely the best one. My name's Stephen Hill. Um, if it was the best one, I probably wouldn't have had to point it out. That's like when you explain a joke, isn't it? It's yeah, a shit exactly, joke. Yeah. yeah, sorry. All right, so maybe in the top five, probably. <laughs> Um, this is episode 32. Uh, I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. Morning, mate. Morning. Interesting. Uh, We're not recording in the morning. Three minutes past But if it's in the morning, if it's in the morning for you, then good morning. Hey, so. mate, it's always Christmas somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. that's not hey, how the phrase goes. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, hello, uh, if you're listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, it's a funny old show we've got um, yeah. this week, Renfrey. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, I'm not going to lie, it might be a little bit morbid at, at some point. Not morbid, a bit sad. Definitely, yeah? unfortunately. Yes. Uh, so just a warning there now. Um, if, you, if you don't like sad things, <laughs> time to turn off. <laughs> don't say that. No, it's no, very important things. Very important things, about. yeah. No, don't turn off. Because <laughs> we're also reviewing a new album from Weezer. Yep. From Holden Absence and from Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard. And you went to go and see The Armed. I did. I so did. there's plenty of stuff that is great that we'll be talking about. I should also point out that the sadness doesn't come primarily from reviewing the Weezer album, just in case people uh, thought that that was what it would come from. Uh, that's Renfrey speaking for himself there. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later on. Um, uh, shout out to Musicism. They are the folks uh, over there who um, have given us a plethora of microphones, Renfrey. They have. What a plethora of microphones we have here as you um, pick a pen out of my drawer. Yeah, sorry, my pen's, not, my pen's not working no, and I need to make notes. Mine, um, yeah, so go to musicism.net. <laughs> this is how we fall out because I stole your pen. <laughs> yeah, like Pauline, the little oh. gentleman. The pens, Pauline's pens, put them back. I, 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 yes, uh, I, I, know, I know I keep interrupting you during the musicism sting, but I'd just like to say that not only is this uh, a Bic pen, but it's actually a budget version of a Bic pen. Is it? Yeah, it's called ball pen. Right. Uh, from eurooffice.com uh, it came with the flat i have to say it right, came no. with, with the i'm flat. not dissing your choice of pens i'm just saying it's not my choice of pen i got a free yeah, pen yeah. with this with, the, with this flat that i'm living oh, in bargain i know <laughs> carry on sorry anyway uh, at musicism.net you yes you can become a better musician they give you courses on how to become a better a better singer a better guitarist a better producer ergo a better musician it only costs you nine pound 99 pence a month which seems like a very very minuscule amount for the budding singer songwriter daylight robbery I would it say. is daylight robbery but as if that wasn't enough if you go and put riot in capital letters in the checkout you'll get 25% off of that already very small amount. Which I, I and, and if you do do that, then please turn yourself over to the police immediately. <laughs> you thief, you thieving or scum. you could put that money into our patron page. You could. Instead. Yes, you could. You could go over to uh, the, uh, the writer's... Review. review page oh you had a little there. little brain fart then i did yeah because yeah. we do write his review for the people who subscribe over at patreon.com forward slash right act podcast um that's the main thing that patrons get at the moment isn't it yeah, yeah we're we're, the, cons- we're considering other options we, we yeah. talked about um phone calls, phone, phone calls. I'm not, <laughs> no i'm really not up for that i'll do uh, like 10 minute sessions fuck it why not <laughs> I ain't speaking to you on the phone. Well, Brady anything. will do it. Brady, Brady from Conjurer will do it. Yeah, we'll get yeah. a rock star to phone you up. You get phone up by Brady from Conjurer. It's like, yeah, we'll get a famous actor to phone you up. It'll be somebody from Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
don't think Brady's even as pop. He is not even as popular in the music world as someone from like his equivalent. His equivalent in the acting world wouldn't get. Wouldn't even get on Doctors. <laughs> so um, hello, we'll, we'll get Uncle we'll get a chorus member of the RSC. Uncle to... fuck yeah, there he is. It was nice to have him on last week. Thanks, mm. mate. Um, yeah, so we've done a bunch of variety interviews. Basically, people who chuck a, a quid or more preferably more in the pot get to uh, suggest an album which we go and review we've just had one go up actually haven't cattle we? decapitation has gone up for patrons for patrons cattle decapitations Anthrop- anthropocene extinction has Very just gone good. up with brady from Condra, aka yep. uncle fuck yep. and um yeah we've got a bunch of that will be coming to you the freeloader in about 2022 <laughs> i reckon so you know i did out, i mate. did look it up i like genuinely because i thought i'd actually find out and i think it's like the end of may so we're getting to the point now where there's about a three month gap mm. between if you pay or if you don't mm. so so there you go and we're hopefully we'll getting more stuff as well and also uh we didn't do it last week we should shout out the merch we've got mm. I don't know where that is. It, right, act. Uh, go to the Riot Act website Podcast.com. and um, dot yes dot, dot com. com. <laughs> yes, and uh, there is a link there which says merch, I yeah. believe. Um, although we've quite we've actually rechristened it Riot Gear because someone that's great. I've completely forgotten who and, and uh, someone messaged on Facebook. I've forgotten. I've, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name and said surely this should be called Riot Gear, and I just went. Oh my god! Of course, it should be called mm. Riot Gear. So um, yeah, so it's called Riot Gear. But you can get it all there. Um, and we've had um, a few orders already. So thank you very much for those. Yeah, but, um, t-shirts, loads of things. T-shirts, hoodies, baseball, hat, uh, baseball like um, beanies, beanies. Yeah, mugs, pens to replace my pen that you're slagging off. We don't have pens currently, but pens, um, we could <laughs> we could look into that. Uh, drawstring bags. Yeah, um, they were requested. I'm on the drawstring bag diet. When I draw a string, I have to bag it up. What? Cut that out. Wow. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> you've, not done, a, you've not done stand-up for a while, have it's, you, it's Steve? You're a bit rusty. on the old, uh, when I see food, the seafood diet, when I see food, I have to eat it. Remember, what, it you said, remember what you said at the top of the show about having to describe, uh, having to yeah. explain a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have been much worse. I could have been... Uh, Oh, I've just thought of a really good one, which is also a really bad one. So I'm not going to say it. When, anyway, was your, when, when did you do your last show? Your my last stand-up, stand-up show. Gig, yeah. 2013. It was about a month after Edinburgh, Ooh. 2013. So it has been five and yeah, a half And it was years. with Sean Walsh. You know Sean Walsh? Yeah. Love rat. Awesome. The strictly love rat, Sean Walsh. Yeah, who's, cool. Uh, um, uh, wow, well, he was a perfectly nice man to me. <laughs> No um, goss. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He was actually quite a good dude. That could be a good special. We could go back into um, yeah. your, like just Steve Dish's dirts on comedians yeah. you've never heard of. Actually, funny enough, <laughs> I'm just to, like for something that's coming soon. I did. A, I actually am going to be an appearing on a BBC podcast with James Acaster. Yes. Um, who is a former peer of mine. He is actually. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> and um, I'm going to say right now, I I love James. I'm not saying this just because you're on that show. Yeah, James. James is, Acaster is amazing. Is, I think James is, is the best young British comedian. I would agree. Or maybe even the best young comedian in the world. And, and if you've not seen his Netflix specials, oh, please see them. Absolutely they incredible. are so clever. So Arrested was, Development levels are clever. Yeah. I was very, very, very lucky to be asked by James to come on his podcast. He's doing a podcast about 50 albums from the year 2016. He said, the year 2016 and i agree with him actually is the best year for music in a long long time yeah. so he's picked 50 albums he bought like 50 albums that year and one of them he bought was devil is fine by zelanada 
Devil is fine. So we did a massive chat about Devil is Fine by Zee Leonardo. Awesome. And uh, that's going to be on the BBC. That's going to be on the actual BBC. The actual BBC. The actual, I sat in the room with the BBC One thing behind me. It's all. It's it on BBC filmed. One. BBC Radio One. Radio One. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> not, not BBC One. Not BBC One. <laughs> not the One Show. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Imagine that, me on the one show. Me, Giles Brandeth, and that one with the... the, the well, I don't know. Really. I, don't well, watch, ex, I don't watch the one show, the do ex I? The ex-Blue Peter presenter, yeah. Matt something. Like yeah. the, the most bland man in the world. Yeah. yeah, He is like a slice of Hovis bread with flora on him of a man. If you were... If, <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you were a bit of... If you were a food... If you, that man was a food, that is what he'd be. It took me a long time to get that. It was not great. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's going to be out uh, in the middle of March, that um, that chat that we did. So it's very good. And hopefully, James will return the favour. Oh, that would be wicked. I would, I would, well, no, I'm not going to say, I was about to say, I, I will fangirl if I meet him, but I'm not going to say that because that's not going to convince him to come on the show, is it? No. Uh, so, yes, I will be super cool. Look at me we'll chucking it out music. there. There's absolutely no, like, no discussion really had about James coming on the show. I've just got to, <laughs> no. like, text him and go, oh, mate, I did say this thing. Can you do that? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's coming up. But um, changing tact a little bit, Renfrey. Um, we should kind of start the show um, by, I guess, by getting us out of the way. And we said that it's going to be a bit of a sad show. We've kind of got two um, two kind of eulogies. Unfortunately, we've got two yeah. eulogies, really, to, to be uh, doing this week. One we're going to come later on. We'll, we'll talk about later on. We're spacing on. them out. Uh, yeah, and, and it sort of is irrelevant. But um, uh, Keith Flint died Yesterday, uh, or two two days ago from where we when when we're recording this, yeah. So, so we've when known this goes this for out, hours, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Um, and it still doesn't really feel real to me. It's completely and utterly shocking. Um, I suppose it's a sort of cliche to um, say that you can't because it's been confirmed now that he killed himself as mm. well. I suppose it's like a cliche to say you can't imagine those people doing it. But I think there's something about Keith Flint, you know, obviously we didn't know him or anything like that, but yeah. he appeared to be so much, um, so larger than life. And so I described this to my um, housemate the other day, almost like a cartoon character. I and I hope, about to say yeah, that. and I hope people don't take that the wrong way, but I do mean that as a compliment in terms of like, he was just so, and the, the, the 5% of his person who we, of his personality that we saw on stage just seemed to be this larger than life cartoon figure. And imagining someone like that to have those sorts of thoughts um, and be, I know it wasn't a secret that he suffered from depression, but it was just, it was, it, uh, it, was, it was just, uh, just well, you just never know, do you? Just, you never just know, shocking. you never, ever, ever know what is going on in people's real lives. And of course that's not. the thing, you just don't know. I'm sure people listening to this probably think that <coughs> we're a barrel of laughs, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, sp- I've spoken about being diagnosed with depression before and stuff like mm. that. And like, you know, like I'm, I'm. I, I'm not like ashamed of it or anything like that. And I, 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 as I said, I don't think it was, um, it wasn't a secret that, that Keith, but it's still, I mean, he was 49 years old and it's still, and, and, and the prodigy had so much coming up as well. Mm. Emily Evis came out saying that they were, 
booked for Glastonbury, exactly. And um, they were about to go on a US tour and they just released a record. Yeah. Um, and all this stuff, it's just... It's, uh, yeah, a li- I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's shocking. <laughs> and um, I mean, yeah, I don't really want to dwell too much on the actual, uh, the sort of the, the motives or the, the no. you know, the, the how, how it happened particularly. But I do think everything you said about Keith Flint being a real unique character. I mean, particularly, I, I put something on Instagram the other day, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but basically... When I was growing up, and I think I've said this a whole bunch of times, I, you know, I, I'm from a very, very small village in Hampshire, pre-internet, where our only source of <clears throat> music information was um, Top of the Pops, mm. the radio, um, and one issue of Kerrang, which was sold in our local post office, which mm. we would all fight over fire, yeah. every Wednesday, and... Um, and f- kind of very little else, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe a few people had MTV. There were a couple of my friends who had MTV, but but ultimately, you know, we grew up in a time, I guess, where we were lucky that the type of music that was getting pushed meant that we could find a gateway and a doorway into into other things. Do you know what I mean? To you know, like I I find it hard to think that if the type of music that was in the charts now had been mm. in the charts then, and that was all I was exposed to, would I ever have discovered At The Gates or, you know, Olver or, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. How mm. deeply can you get into those things or, you know, like Black Flag or whatever. And, um, and I, f- I feel like, I feel like, a v- you know, there was a group of us who were interested in music, like a big group of people in my year and some of them liked rave and some of them liked kind of indie and some of them liked punk music and some of them liked quite heavy, like heavy metal. And there weren't, there was, a, there was they, these sort of genre boundary segregations that existed and I'm sure did definitely exist in the kind of, in the wider sphere of the scene and stuff. But to a, a bunch of sort of 14, 15 year old kids in a village, we, we, I just don't even remember comprehending how Oasis and The Prodigy and Radiohead and Rage Against the Machine and Pennywise weren't linked. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I didn't understand how someone could go. I like Megadeth, but I don't like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't seem because they're too they're too different and they don't belong. Like I I don't ever remember feeling that. So you, you felt Prodigy united the tribes almost. But yeah, but if there was one band that everyone just mm. went, well, that's just mm. just great. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's just, it's fucking angry and aggressive and it sounds cutting edge and he looks mad mm. and he looks cool and it's, it's heavy, but it's catchy, but it's, do you know what I mean? Like every single person loved the Prodigy. Mm. There would be bands that, you know, we didn't like say so no one really cared, but... Not everyone would like Corn. Not everyone mm. would like Rage Against Machine. Not everyone would like Green Day or Blur or whatever. But everybody loved the Prodigy. So true. Everybody actually. loved the Prodigy, yeah. and it, they were kind of they were unique and inescapable. And when you saw that Firestarter video, and that's mm. the kind of the obvious place to go. I mean, particularly even more so. I remember seeing the Breathe video, and you after seeing the, the Firestarter video, you were kind of prepared for what the breathe video could be mm. 
But when you saw, you know, Maxim and Keith and I outside these rooms, I mean, you know, Maxim as well, people don't often talk, especially from sort of our world, don't talk about Maxim as much. Maxim's fucking amazing, amazing live presence. The two of them as a duo, this kind of cyberpunk Mick and Keith. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious, but they're almost <laughs> like Johnny Rotten and Chuck D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like 90s cyber dance punk, totally unlike anything that, any of us had ever seen before um and to see that you know I, again i've spoken about red in 96 going to red in and the radiance machine giving up their headline slot for the prodigy because they would they didn't want to go on after the prodigy you know i've spoken about going to glastonbury in 97 three days before fat of the land coming out and seeing the prodigy headline the friday night like mm. up to my elbows in mud pretty much mm. um those things are so deeply ingrained in who i am mm. do you know what i mean they are they're like they're so uh, it really feels like that is such a massive part of those memories are such a massive part of like of of, of who i am of, of from you know listening to firestarter in our, at our school disco to seeing it at reading to seeing it at um Glastonbury to seeing it at, at Sonosphere mm, at, mm, at, mm. at Download I mean I remember in 2009 what you know I watched them and saw the second half of Slipknot I didn't see the opening bit of Slipknot because I was watching The Prodigy right and it just is like it's 23 years of these unbelievable live shows um and the, the standard which never dropped and Keith Flint was the the kind of the icon the 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 focal point the uh, jewel yeah. and the you know the the front of this fucking juggernaut of explosion of sound and noise and color and just abandon and i like i feel really lucky to like I, it sounds like a, you know like an, an old person thing to say to be like oh i would rather be old now and be glad that i was there but i, f I feel like that yeah, yeah i wonder yeah. if you'll ever see someone like Keith Flint become the most notorious, most famous person in the country ever again. Yeah. Well, well on that thread, I, I, something that you said there that I think is really interesting is hearing Firestarter at my school disco. And this yeah. is the thing, the way that the prodigy infiltrated the mainstream, I mean, booted down the door, really. I know, I know the Top of the Pops appearance, the, the Firestarter being on Top of the Pops is talked about all the time, but that was definitely, it was a moment that shaped me. I was 11. Yeah. Uh, no, 12. Mm. 97, wasn't it? 96. 96, okay, so I was 11. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, seeing that, I, I do remember it going out and seeing it and seeing people be so angry and pissed off. But at the end, of the, uh, uh, because a man who looked very, very, very alternative and punky mm. was basically leering in a tube station, an abandoned tube station. That, that, that was the extent of it. That's the yeah. extent of the video, basically. Yeah. Anyone who pisses those people off is is a saint in my book. You know, anyone who pisses people off who is stupid enough to get annoyed about that kind of thing, you know, because it's on at half past seven at night or, or whatever, you know. I mean, I think that's a vitally, vitally important thing to piss off the mainstream from time to time and to, and to, to try and kick the doors down and, and give aggressive music a um, a, a place in that... that 
that lots of people can can digest it and like mm. you said everyone they united everyone they like everyone liked the prodigy i remember seeing them i only saw them once actually i'm really? sort of ashamed to say now but um i saw them at leeds festival uh just before guns and roses um, <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah and um i remember just like i wasn't I, I I wasn't the sort of person I you know I didn't own Prodigy albums at that point. I think I probably had a copy of Fat of the Land on tape, which I probably um, recorded off of a mate of mine or something like that. But I was really blown away with their show and their energy, and I like the sh- like as a live experience, it was amazing. And and it's that constant thing of going, well, I'll go back and see them at some point, and then yeah, not doing it. But um. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens now. I have, I have no idea. It's obviously too early to tell in terms of the future of the Prodigy, if there is one. I can't not. imagine they will carry on. I just don't think that those yeah. people are cut from that cloth. And I'm, I'm, what is a really, really, really fucking annoying thing about it is that, I mean, in, in Christmas 2017, so last, not last Christmas, Christmas before, I saw them twice at Brixton Academy. Yes, they did. And, yeah, then, and the, then they came back and they did, uh, they did Ali Pali just before Christmas and I didn't go. I didn't go. I don't know why I didn't go because usually it's like, go and see the prodigy. Mm. Of course I am. Mm. And for some reason, I think just because, well, you know, <laughs> without wanting to touch on my own personal life too, I just moved house and mm. uh, I was pretty stressed out when I. And so I was like, I could just do with a few weeks of like not doing anything. And it means that I will never get to see mm. that again, which, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I know I've seen people going, oh, I only got to see them once or I only got to see them, like I never got to see them or whatever. And I think I saw them. Do you know off the top of my head? I'm not even going to try and count, but it's a lot. Mm. I saw them a lot, a lot, a lot of times over the years, and um, yeah, it's, it was uh, it was always, 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 always amazing. And yeah, it was uh, what I don't know. Again, like such a creative to come from rave culture, and the the you know how how creative a thing that was, and to kind of transcend that when it got shut down, and a lot of a lot of what came after rave culture when rave rave culture became co-opted by the mainstream most kind of rave artists it turned to what ibiza is now yeah and, and to, for the prodigy to transcend that and to go now we're going to muscle our way into the the, the rock scene yeah uh, especially at a time when you know rock music was starting to be open was was opening up its doors to, to be shocking even at a time when rock music was opening its doors to anthrax and public enemy and um you know raging at the machine and rap metal mm. and you know like electric well, electric ministry and well, nails and bands like that and new metal just yeah new metal you know? white zombie fear yeah, factor yeah, like yeah. all that kind of for, for them to kind of come in at when metal was <clears> trying <throat> to be this very very cutting edge thing and for them to be the most cutting edge thing is <sighs> it's pretty fucking phenomenal mm. it's pretty phenomenal a thing and you know keith flint will be if you say if you say the prodigy think of if you say think of the prodigy the, i pretty much guarantee the first thing that comes up in your head is keith flint of course it is it's, it's uh, for me as often the fire starter video i mean that being the first thing, time yeah. i ever saw them and was aware of them but you know, and remembering it so distinctly, but yeah, he, he was, he was the, he was, like you said, the, the visual focal part of the band mm. and, um, yeah. And, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so I still shocking and I think it will remain shocking for a very long time. Yeah. I think one thing that 
that if if there's one nice thing I can see, nice thing. If there's one good thing, I don't know. I'm I'm really buoyed by the stories that have come out about Keith Flint in the last couple of days. Yeah. You see what James Blunt said? Um, the James Blunt thing was really, really warmed my heart. I thought that was really, and that's a brilliant example. If you've not seen it, it's on uh, James Blunt's Twitter page. Well, he, James Blunt, oh, I know it's weird. James Blunt is really worth following on Twitter. Oh, he is. He's hilarious yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he, he basically said that at a time when Noel Gallagher didn't give a fuck about... Uh, he went to the Q Awards yeah. and won best male artist or something <clears throat> and Noel Gallagher refused to shake his hand hmm. uh, Paul Weller refused to be in the same photograph as him with all the winners uh, Damon Albarn made a snide remark about him from the, from the stage and Keith Flint came up to him and gave him a hug and he went I'm really really happy for you yeah yeah which obviously is a side of Keith Flint that people never or, uh, um, people uh, in who didn't know him didn't see and I think it's, I think it's nice that side of him is being shown. I suppose. Mm. I mean, that, that's very small. It's you know, yeah. It's not the way I'd like it to be shown, but it's it, it's the one good thing that I can see from it. But mm. um, and I was really, you know, you, you, I I I knew none of these stories, and I, I, you don't go. Oh, I bet Keith Flint's a really lovely 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 man <laughs> do you yeah, know yeah, what no. i mean like and 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 he was and i yeah. think i think the idea that maybe people will see that man and then he see what he looks like and maybe be horrified by it and then hear the stories of how nice a person he was and might change their mind mm. about that thing it's true you never you net like the the reality of somebody's life and what's going on you never really know what yeah. they're actually like, like uh, absolutely. you know i think that's definitely true. That's well, definitely true. And um, it's unfortunately true, you know, with regards to um, the way in which he passed away as well. You just don't know. So I think, I mean, if I've learned anything without, if I've learned anything over the last sort of year, it is that you need to make sure that the people that you're surrounding yourself with are all right, because sometimes you think they are and they're, they're not. So, um, yeah, Key Flint. R.I.P. Mate, mm. what a privilege it was to witness that happen. Um, Renfrey, you went to see the Armed. I did again after my um, slightly uh, uh, <laughs> well, my space caking Justin mm. version of seeing them. Now this is interesting, <clears throat> okay? Because <laughs> all the stuff that you reviewed the Armed two weeks ago, yeah, that sounds yeah. right, and. It didn't seem like any of it really happened. It didn't sound like I was sober, <laughs> did it? So, uh, hopefully, just just for some some contrast, you uh, well, I stayed I, on the wagon. I, I, the <laughs> I had a couple of drinks, obviously. Obviously, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm pleased to report that all the things that I said happened did actually happen. They did. Oh, I'm good. really pleased to say it was a very different experience for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, before I go into the arms, I would just like to mention the support acts because both yeah, sure. of them were flipping awesome. Um, Chaos Reigns, really new band as far as I can see. Um, technical hard hardcore elements of Dillinger kind of bits and pieces. I was really, really impressed with them. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought they were really, really good. And I thought 
considering that they've only been around, well, not very long as far as I can see. Um, I thought that they were a very, very impressive proposition and I'm definitely going to keep my eye on them now. Um, but the other support was Rough Hands as well, who we oh, have yeah, mentioned yeah. before have, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah, I like that EP. And I just continue to be more and more impressed with them every single time I see them. Um, I was um, I was at the gig with uh, with Dave Larkin from uh, Basis of Black Peaks mm-hmm. and he made a brilliant description. He said something like, I am I am paraphrasing him slightly, but he said something like um, it's like hardcore, but with Joy Division's guitar tone. Um, it's good that and yeah, that's good. So well done, Dave. Um, that's really good, and I'm I'm stealing it, and that's how I'm, <laughs> that's how I'm going to refer to Why them. Why the fuck did you give me any credit for it? <laughs> because then? it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the right thing to it's do. It's the right thing. To and do. Um, yes, I, uh, I I just I just thought they were fantastic. I think they have an incredible power and an incredible sound, which is really quite different from mm. any else anything else that's going on in hardcore at the moment. Um, I heard a couple of dissenting vo- uh, voices, funnily enough, about the vocals. Um, I don't really have a problem with them myself, but no, I, I, I think it's the only thing that might prevent people from getting into them because they have this really dreamy, almost almost Deftones type thing, but played with like a harder edge. And, and I, I actually think the vocals are fine. I think they're really good. But um, And they don't, unlike a lot of hardcore bands, they don't, well, they certainly last week, they didn't move about all that much. They were fairly stuck to the spot, which yeah. normally you would sort of see as a bad thing. But um, I thought they were trans... I was transfixed by them. I mean, I, f- I thought they were just like... I was completely transfixed by the whole experience and I just thought they were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, every single time I see them, I just get more excited by them. So cool. I'd like an- another album, please. <laughs> um the Armed. Um, <sighs> Same again, was it? <laughs> I'd say even better. Um, just you didn't have like hair, p- dried puke <laughs> down your chin. I I was. Comp- did you have I your mean- top off when you were wearing it around your head? <laughs> did, you, did you have your tie? I don't know why you're wearing a tie. You have a tie on your head doing a conga well however you want to imagine it is fine. <laughs> exactly like that actually uh, <laughs> um there's there's a few bands who like jump into the crowd and um you know make make the entire room a stage you yep. know it's not a new thing um it's been done to death um I have to say, I, I, I've heard a lot of people who are just like, oh, I'm really bored of that thing. I have to say, I'm always going to find it ex- exciting to a degree. I find it weird that people say that. I have yeah. Because be that's like going, oh, loads of bands stand on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bored of bands well, standing on the stage. Well, also, the cool thing with, with people jumping into a crowd and, and actually, it, it is that you, you, you force people to get involved. It's like, no, yeah. you're here. You're going to get involved in this thing. Or there's the door, and I, and and I, I I love that. I think that's awesome. The manner in which the arms do it, um, their vocalist is like six foot three, six foot four, yeah. b- big guy, muscle bound dude. Um, a bit like me, bit just like you, Steve. Mm. Um, although in a fight, I'd be curious um, to see who comes out of it. <laughs> but but uh, not that I, I don't. Mate, I don't I, think there's any reason why you'd have to fight I, him. One, but. I don't want to fight him, <laughs> and two, I'm not really very hard. <laughs> 
contrary to popular belief, ladies and gentlemen. So his total disregard for um, other people's personal space, I find utterly amazing. Right. I don't mean this in a creepy, nasty way. I mean this, it's like there was one point where he got up on the bar of the Boston Music Rooms. Yeah. I've seen several people do that. That's fine. And it was right at the back. And it's basically where all the press people stand. You know, me and you know that like the press people and the industry people, they're always like standing at the back, seeming really cool, maybe chatting to each other rather than actually watching the show. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. blah. That's usually where those people are. Mm. He just jumped on them. Like, you know, sometimes when you go to jump on a crowd, like you, you kind of wait for them to be prepared and a few people like get together. He just jumped on them and... <laughs> they broke in someone's neck, Renfrey. No, he didn't break anyone's neck. No. Um, although I do need to talk about something similar later on. But, um, it, and I think just the sheer chaos, I mean, the floor was just strewn with beer um, and was really slippery and slidey. And it was quite dangerous, but you know what? I like that. And I know you do to an extent as I well. I do, yeah. No, I, I definitely do. Yeah. I think if you're going to have a band who are going to do that, then it should feel genuinely a little bit dangerous. You should feel like, I need to be aware here, otherwise I might get hurt. Yeah. And I think so some people listening to this might be like, why on earth would that be an appealing thing? But for this sort of music and stuff it just means that you are involved and it's exciting it's like a roller coaster it's very unlikely you will be hurt um i should it would be remiss of me to mention the um i did mention the flashing lights at the roadburn show someone quite tragically the tragically is a bit over the top but the show came to a stop because someone had an epileptic fit which was quite um which was really and at first it's like is this part of the show what's going on blah 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 uh and they were fine just you know just to point that out but it would have felt remiss of me not to mention Mm. it but um 10 minutes later they just sort of got back on you know half the people had left and then they were like let's fuck it let's just do one more song so for like the 50 people left in there it was just absolutely amazing and musically they are just such a smorgasbord of so many different things like they are we talked about it with the out when the album came out but they're so heavy and so abrasive and yet when the melodies do earworm their way into your brain you cannot get them out something like fortune's daughter or something like that they are fucking brilliant um this is the first time they'd ever come to the uk or europe actually and I, I mean, I really, really, really hope they come back. I thought they were absolutely incredible. Great. And I want to see them yeah. all the time. <laughs> they <laughs> were brilliant. Oh, good. Um, and they did have a man running around as a tree. Man, woman, could have been a woman. Uh, and they had a woman in a cat seat uh, who was right. doing uh, female vocals. So all of that stuff was... Could have been a man, Rimfrey. That could have been a man. I'm... Uh, well, sure. Well, you don't know how... You don't get to choose how she I, identifies. I don't know how she identifies. Uh, oh, dear. Oh We've dear, I'm in trouble canceled. again. We've just got us cancelled. <laughs> I'm relatively sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah, yeah. Let's move on. A, per- a person. There's a person. Yeah, yeah human uh, being. A cat. Well, that's quite offensive to feline, <laughs> isn't it? Um, anyway, so that's good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear that. That's really good. Let's do some reviews. Um, let's start. Uh, where, best album of the year. Well, let's find out, shall we? <laughs> the Black Album by Weezer. Now. I'll write notes for the show. Uh, and do you want to, I'm going to read you the notes from <laughs> that I've written for Weezer. This is the 13th studio album from Weezer. 
that's my notes on this record. <laughs> With the, are you are you admitting you've not done your job? Or what what do you mean by that? I thought I'd riff it. <laughs> okay, okay. I've got I extensive I'd just notes. Take so it's the, fine. the flow of how I felt with this record because I sort of went. I'm not going to write stuff down about how I feel about this. I'm pretty confident in how I feel about it. So, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, Renfrey, um, or at the start of February, it was actually. Uh, you and I sat down and tete -tete. we chatted about uh, the Teal album, which yeah. was the kind of as you what you called. An advert for this. Well, yes. Uh, you say we chatted. Um, the, I felt like I was being talked at quite a lot. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It was entertaining and that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so but here yes. Here we go again. It was a chat, uh, quote unquote. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, you said some things. I said well. some things. It, it, it took was... me fucking ages before I could even get my first. I was just gobsmacked that you thought it was any good. So <laughs> it did take me five minutes. You were talking about five minutes while I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good fun. Yeah. It was, yeah. So we chatted about the Teal album, and you said, and you were probably right, that uh, the Teal album um, is just an advert for, for the Black album. I think. Oh, I, and there's something else I want to add to this, right? There is a playlist on Spotify called All Out 80s, right? Mm -hmm. Now, to, to kind of hammer home how, how much I hate the Teal album, I'm not going to go back to it too much, but to hammer home how fucking unimaginative that album is, the first five songs. Um, on All Out 80s on Spotify, four of them are on the Teal album, right? Now, you, I have to wonder what Footloose by Kenny Loggins has done <laughs> to, to not get on the Teal album. But, <laughs> like, I'm not doing Footloose. Like. I, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if... It's it was, on I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, no. I wouldn't be surprised if Rivers looked it up and went, oh, those will be the good songs to do. And yeah. I am admitting that. I, yeah, and yeah, and I think he would as well. Mm. I think he would as well. So, yeah. so, but yeah. But it just, I, cause I put an 80s playlist on the other day and I was like, this is the fucking Weezer album. This is the fucking <laughs> Weezer album with Footloose. Well, well, it's not quite cause the versions are inferior, but. <laughs> so anyway, Weezer's terrible teal album was an advert for this, and you said I, I think I called it a genius marketing strategy. You did, yeah, a yeah. genius marketing strategy. But ultimately, genius marketing strategy or not, it, it one it annoyed me, and yeah. two, it's only gonna be a genius marketing strategy if all those people that listen to your rubbish versions of those songs uh, came to the Black Album and the Black Album did the business. And I held my hands up at that point and went, I will be willing to forgive mm. that record, and it's sort of pointless throwaway nature mm. if the black album is uh, of the significant high quality that it needs to be to make up for the teal album now, oh dear <laughs> oh okay. fucking dear indeed renfrey um do you want to do you want to start sure um i would say the black album is far more along the electro pop tinged uh weezer mm -hmm. that has sort of emerged primarily since the last record i'd say pacific daydream there's bits of it in ratitude yeah fine there's bits of it in ratitude I everyone's think... favorite weezer <laughs> i think as i think i think maybe pacific daydream is the first time where the, the majority of the record was electro pop yeah as is this album mm -hmm. uh the original plan was to release 
the White Album and then follow it up with this Black Album, which I think would have really alienated a lot of people, yeah. actually. I think Pacific Daydream is actually... You're not a fan of Pacific Daydream, no, are you? No, I'm not. No. Little um, insight. I interviewed Rivers around Pacific Daydream for The Did Independent. Yes. Really interesting. I mean, I... Yeah, of course he's interesting. Yeah, he it like? was face-to-face as, as well. As yeah, a yeah, person, yeah. what's he like? Um... You know, some of the things, like, he's a little awkward and stuff and, and, and shy and geeky, but I, I felt we got on. I mean, I only he hides had... that well, though, doesn't he, in his music? <laughs> what, the introverted geekiness? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I really enjoyed spending time with him. I, uh-huh. I think uh, 20, 25 minutes, but I really enjoyed spending time with him. Because was... you look normal next to him, that's why. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I... <laughs> you look confident and... <laughs> <laughs> don't bring my virility into this for fuck's sake oh sorry um, mate sorry, sorry. yeah uh anyway uh, <laughs> um yeah but i know I, I i really enjoyed interviewing him i thought it was cool i you'd you hear lots of horror stories about yeah, rivers yeah. i didn't experience any of that in the 20 25 minutes i had mm-hmm. um but as a result of doing that interview at the time i uh I don't want to say forced myself, but I made myself listen to Pacific Daydream a lot. Mm -hmm. And have to say, first time I heard it, Bar Mexican Fender, the first song on that record, hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. Um, But through repeated exposure, Pacific Daydream, I would say it went for me from a 3 out of 10 to a 7 out of 10. I quite like that album i don't love it mm-hmm. it's definitely got its problems um but i think it's quite good bloody hell <laughs> okay. so um we've not had the black album very long no um and i've certainly not listened to it as i've, I've listened to it half a dozen times i think mm-hmm. um and i don't yet like it as much as i like pacific daydream Jeez. In fact, my f- and I don't I don't know if I will ever like it as much as I like Pacific Daydream. <laughs> don't worry, no, 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 I'm, no, I'm no, not. no, you carry on. Um, and but the reason why I mention it is because the first time I listened to the Black Album, I fucking hated it. I thought it was rubbish. Now that I've got to the fifth or sixth time of listening to it, it like, once again. It is getting its claws into me a little bit. I don't think it's a great record. Um, But songs like the first time I heard Zombie Bastards, I fucking hated it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, die, die, you zombie bastards. It's, It's very, what I'm trying to say is Rivers has not lost his way with a hook. He's not lost his way in terms of melody. I think... A lot of elements that people like about Weezer are still intrinsically in them. There's a, there's in terms of songwriting, I think these songs are interestingly put together. I think the composition of them is interesting. I think the use of instrumentation is interesting. There's a part on Zombie Bastards just before the end of the um, uh, just before the last chorus where it all sort of slows down and then jumps straight back into the faster tempo chorus. And there's little little bits here and there like that that remind me of the old Weezer in terms of ability and uh, songwriting genius. Which I think both, both of us agree, I think that Rivers is a, song, a genius songwriter or, uh, or has been capable of it in the past. Because yeah. we both like, well, let's, we both like Weezer I, a lot. I, very much. And well, okay. up to a point, up to a point, yeah. right? 
This is the if album where I'm starting to go, do okay. I like Weezer anymore? Okay, okay, okay. Um, bad points. Um, there are many. Nice. Um, um, I think a lot of these songs are ultimately quite forgettable. Um, I think the album's third third, <laughs> I've had to split it into thirds, is particularly dire, actually. Mm. I'm kind of stunned that some of those songs have even come out. Um, songs like The Prince Who Wanted Everything. Oh my God, I was going to talk about that. Well, well I mean, we had a thing where we were like, the best way to pay tribute to David Bowie is not to write a fucking rubbish song about him. Oh, I did not even realise it was a Bowie tribute. Okay. No, that's a Prince tribute. Oh, oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Paisley yeah. Park and he's wearing a I'll purple talk. suit. There was a man who wore a purple suit. I do feel particularly Fuck stupid right now. Hell. The second it came on, I was like, no, no. no. He saved the world with his funk rock riffs. He's a d-. It sounds like... It's it's not. It good. sounds like the it sounds like the Mighty Boosh doing the tri- <laughs> tribute to Prince. Do you know what I mean? That's it's annoyingly accurate. Fucking unspeakably rubbish. It it's is bad. Like you don't play pay tribute to Prince by writing a really boring, not even jaunty, just a bo- like a really saccharine, joyless fucking. There's a bit of a funk riff in it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying that's where the Prince yeah, connection is. Yeah, slightly. But I mean, <laughs> uh, it's just it's ho- it's horrible to listen to. It's also it also I mean it's borderline offensive that song. I mean, also it, it it actually doesn't really fit in with the rest of the record because no. because Rivers' plan with this album, he said it to loads of journalists, myself included, because I asked him about the Black Album a bit when I interviewed him, that he wanted to write a album which was the Beach Boys Gone Bad. Well, they've gone really bad. Well, uh, very good. Thank you. I think the fundamental issue with this album is the Beach Boys Gone Bad as an evil, mm. on paper, sounds like a pretty neat idea, I think. Unfortunately, in practice, it just isn't. I think that's the main issue, really. But the thing is, is we, the, 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 that is a stupid... I just feel like that's a... That sounds like somebody who doesn't understand his own music because the thing with Weezer, Pinkerton is the we is is the Beach, Beach Boys gone bad. Mm. Like he's a bit, he's an, mm. he's an obnoxious prick on that record. That's that's a very yeah. He's an obnoxious yeah. prick. It sounds really lo-fi and weird, yeah. but it's got these unbelievable melodies on it. Like yeah. you've done that, mate. Yeah, yeah. You and you've done it to an incredibly high standard. Pinkerton is. One of my favourite records of it's all time. A it's incredible record, and yeah. you know, like this is not uh, just writing some sort of nonsense, like slightly neggy lyrics, like he does on this record. He he's does not... swear on it, though, Steve, and he's never sworn on a Weezer record. He's before. never sworn on a Weezer record before. So, <laughs> what he's like, he's like Gull from Gorgoroth, isn't he? Now, <laughs> well, I and guess that's like, the thing, like... isn't it? That's the thing. Rivers being bad mm-hmm. is just going didn't wash up <laughs> I, left, I left my tray on the table at mcdonald's yeah exactly <laughs> right? and then the one exactly. where I'm, I'm just being honest with i uh, mate rivers you know he's uh, i'm just being honest that bit like you gave me your demo i said it was crap i couldn't listen to it your yeah. bands suck yeah i'm just being honest yeah mate we're just being honest with you, <laughs> you can't get annoyed at fucking reviewers now i i it it, it doesn't fit him that's the thing. It doesn't fit him mm. um, to steal from the offspring 
uh, he wanted to be like iced tea and ended up like vanilla ice. You yeah. know, that is the issue with the record. There's a couple of times when I, I mean, know it's not the only issue. Let's be honest. Oh, did I say only? It's no, one no, you of, didn't. But I said I'm one off. Saying, oh, no, no, yeah. no, no, absolutely not. No, there are you many. You said that issues. is the issue. Oh, Sorry. there are many. <laughs> but it's not there the are only many. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, going back to my the, the songs, which I think are dreadful, um, Byzantine is oh, such a disappointment. Um, particularly terrible. disappointing, considering it is a co-write with Laura Jane Grace. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, which is like, oh... oh. That's a shame. <laughs> Probably oh, the worst song on the record. I, I think even worse than the Prince song, to yeah, be honest. I think they I mean, I'm looking down it. <clears throat> I can honestly say. So th- this is the thing, right, where I'm now like, hmm, because I can honestly say for the fir- for the first time in their entire career of a career with some staggeringly lo- some incredible highs, Weezer. Yeah, I and mean, this is yeah. why we all give them a pass because yeah. everyone loves the Blue Album. Everyone loves Pinkerton. Everyone likes Hashpipe. Everyone yeah. even likes Beverly Hills. You listen to the Red Album and you go, the second half of it's rubbish, but the first half of it's there's brilliant. There's some great stuff on Fucking the Red Album. brilliant. Yeah. And even there's the odd all right song on Ratitude and everything will be all right in the end. And then a White Album came along and was like, yeah, they're back. White Album's and great. Then, you know, you listen to like Pacific Daydream and I was like, there's a couple of songs, but most of it is crap. There are some crushing lows alongside these yeah. phenomenal highs in Weezer's back catalog. I'd say Hurley but, and Radishes yeah, Hurley, yeah. particularly. But I have never once, maybe Hurley, actually maybe Hurley, but that came in between, well, yeah, sort of rough period. But there has never been a Weezer album where I've been like, I literally don't like any song on this record really and i do not there's not a single song on this record that i like there's not a single song on this record that i want in their live set i mm, right i'm going to answer that i I, after five six listens i have now decided that of the 10 songs on this album i like four of them four yeah 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 yeah. surprising right those four are zombie bastards see i think zombie bastards is awful that's fine you're mm. entitled to that uh p- and it's basically the second third um piece of cake i'm just being honest and too many thoughts in my head i think have now let me be clear yeah i'm not pinkerton level no. but i think I've, i i i like them enough i suppose is what i'm saying do i want to see them in the set um not over my name is jonas or hashpipe no. or no. dope nose or not keep even, fishing <laughs> not even over pork and beans or we are all on drugs like that's like uh, you know i i, no, I don't, I don't, don't want to hear them over anything on the world i i would i'd have mexican fender which is a good great song yeah great song but, i mean i think piece of cake is the only, piece of cake is in fact i'm gonna piece of cake is the only song on this album that i don't genuinely really dislike Okay, cool. I don't like it, yeah, but I don't hate it. I I agree. It's probably the best song on the record. Yeah, I've listened to. The, I mean, I'm see. I'm six listens. I'm five or six listens in yeah. for this now, and I just every time I just go, I hate it. I hate it. There's 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 not loads to recommend about it. It, it has been. Um, I wouldn't say slaughtered, um, but it but it hasn't got good reviews. Two Ks and Kerrang, which was quite surprising. Kerrang have always been. Even even at their lowest mm. uh, points, Kerrang have been quite kind to um, Weezer. I, I believe Kerrang gave the first five, uh, first four Weezer albums all five Ks, yes, which did. which I actually would probably agree with. Or um, I wouldn't give Maladroit or Green Album I, five. I I I would. Really? I, I fucking love those records. Um, but perfect. Um, They're not perfect, are they? 
Five Green album, definitely. Maladroit, probably not. But mm. but I love, I adore the Green Rocket album. But um, went on to Metacritic and it's got a score of 57, which is higher than I expected it yeah, to be. Um, the Teal album had 58. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, Death to False Metal, which is a terrible compilation yeah, B-side album, had 56. Yeah. Ratitude had 57. So it's the mm. same as Ratitude. Uh, unbelievably their lowest is make-believe 52 um which isn't a great album but is much better than this um, well, way better than this yeah I mean, that's got f- at least four five good songs on make-believe's it. got beverly hills on it uh, we're all on drugs um uh, this is such a pity is a yeah. brilliant song um a few on there. yeah it's certainly not a perfect record but it's mm. much much it's better too long it's way too, it's too long yeah, but but yeah but it's 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 okay mm. um i this I don't love it. I, having said all of that, because the difference between my first listen and my fifth listen has been quite big, yeah. obviously hasn't been for you. No. I do think I'm going to return to it sporadically throughout the year just to see. Because okay. like I said, Pacific Daydream did unbe- uh, unbelievably grew on me. And mm. considering I mean, the first time I heard Feels Like Summer... I wanted to throw my computer out of the window. Mate, me too. And, and actually, I'm, when I'm, I saw them live, they played Wembley and Feels Like Summer was very good. It was one of the highlights of the show. Oh, that, that Wembley show. Let's, not, let's not be ridiculous. I, I, thought, I thought I was... Feels Like Summer Live was... I mean, probably because it had some guitar in it, but it was fucking great. It I was thought. good, actually. I yeah. thought it was really good. It was much better than its recorded Absolutely, version, absolutely. Sure. Um but uh so i so i probably will return to this album but that's more down to my sheer love of weezer and wanting to adore them than it being a good record i think this is the moment i go oh i don't love weezer i just love two of their records just the first two in terms of an album all the way through they've for me they've got two incredible record they've got two mm. in, the first two records are incredible yep. I think the green album is really good I think okay. Maladroit is really good mm. I think the red album is half a brilliant record I think the white album is re- is really good really as good, good. As, as good as the third and fourth albums I think there's mm. a couple of decent songs on maybe Bar Hurley and this on and everything else and um, oh I love everything will be alright in the end really? I think that's a great album yeah no yeah, no, that's fine. Not for me. Different opinions are fine. And um, yeah, 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 not for me. But it's made me go, yeah, okay. I've always gone, oh, I love Weezer. And now I'm like, well, no, I can't say that anymore mm. because I hate so much of it. I suppose if we are getting to a point here, even I will agree as a Weezer apologist of sorts, we are getting to a point where they are in danger of having, well, you might already think this, but very, very much in danger of having more bad albums than good. Oh, they've got way more bad so what is it, well, this is album 13 now yeah one two three four five i think they've got five i think six i think they've got six good albums and they've got so they've tipped over a few on this record yeah. mm-hmm. um is this weezer's worst record in your opinion yes is it yes is it no hurley <laughs> i was Hur- gonna this say and hurley. come on <laughs> this and hurley right okay uh at the moment because I, I mean, Hurley came after Ratitude, and it was like, oh god, this that was really bum. And then Hurley came out, and it's like, oh god, this is really, really bum. But I think the thing was is when they made the White Album, and also like everything will be all right in the end, it has got a couple of real, you know, Back to the Shack is such a massive tune. 
one of my least favourite songs on that record, but fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't dislike it. Um, and um, and then the White Album came out and it was genuinely like, this is so great. White Album's brilliant. It's yeah. so great. Brilliant. And then Pacific Daydream, it was like, oh, they've gone mad again, haven't they? But then I thought, mm. well, they, they do this sometimes. Mm. So I had weirdly had sort of quite high hopes for this. Mm. And I deliberately mm. didn't mm. listen to anything because I know people going, oh, listen to mm. the zombie bastards. And I was like, I'm not going to. Well, a Dark Weezer album sounds really intriguing. That's mm. re- that's a really yeah. intriguing idea. Yeah, you it's know. called Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. Um, you may, I, I think this is my... Tenth favorite <laughs> Weezer album. So out the, of the three. So it would be Hurley, Ratitude, Hurley, Ratitude, and, and I think I'm including Death. I'm including uh, the, Death to False Metal, yeah, the compilation sure. thing oh, in that okay, as well. Right. If we're including that as well, then yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's my least favorite. Uh, and and Hurley and Ratitude are not good records, as you say. The odd good song on each one, but mm. yeah, not great. Well, I would say. I mean, hold on. Let me get Ratitude up. Because that's the one the, the I big, can't, I cannot, um, I cannot defend Hurley in any way whatsoever. The, the, but the I big, feel the, like the, I can slightly. The single slight. from the single from Ratitude was um, uh, if you want, if I want you to, um, girl, if you're wondering, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm your daddy is appalling. I can't I'm your daddy is appalling. Yeah. If yeah, I'm. Oh God, actually, it's rubbish, isn't it? Ratitude. Yeah, is no, not Ratitude. Great. Yeah, Ratitude is terrible. The girl got hot, remember that? Oh, c- yeah. Yeah. What was he thinking? Woo! Uh, I think he was thinking with his penis. I maybe. mean, he and uh, he writes some fucking about some weird shit. Yeah, he does. And he it does. was so charming in that, you know, you go back to the Blue Album and it's so, and, and again, go back to the Blue Album, Pinkerton. Those weird things that he's talking about, they, they feel so kind of, they feel geeky and charming and just sort of, not really thought about that much. Do you know what I mean? All of those those songs about being in the in the garage and um, mm. you know uh, people, the Japanese girl having not heard a Green Day and stuff like that. Yeah, it's so weird that it almost feels like it's just sort of blurted out, and it's almost like this guy's kind of too awkward for his own skin. All the stuff now, it just feels like you've sat down, you've thought about this, and you've gone like, oh, I'm a rapper, and I work with yeah. Timberland Timber yeah. makes this. I mean, the the Ripper stuff is... The, the Ripper stuff? The rapper stuff is, yeah. is dreadful. It is really I, 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 I do agree with the charming thing to an extent. Um, there are uh, what some would deem in 2019 troublesome lyrics i'm glad you said troublesome and not problematic i was gonna throw you out of my house if you said no 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 and and i and i i see the arguments but i don't necessarily agree with them because i think it's a it's a mindset of thinking rather than that's Mm. actually what you think like when so um uh, for example um what's um uh no one else is it um on blue album which is where um don't put put your makeup on the shelf because yeah. I don't want other people to see yeah. you kind of thing. Um, I think um, I think that represents a state that you can get yourself into rather than being my philosophy on women. Yeah, because, I think you know, people would like to take that. You know, like there's a seems to be a culture now of people taking things literally and ignoring nuance. Yeah. Uh, which you know, yeah, I mean, I. We've already spent too much time talking yeah, about it as far as I'm concerned because um, I don't even like want to pretend like you're worthy of getting a fucking response to something like that because it is it is so so boring <laughs> and so 
so <laughs> stupid. Um, but there is one other thing I need to talk about with this. Um, there are two more albums planned for Weezer before the end of the decade. Now, their 14th record has the uh, working title Van Weezer. Right. And is a, um, as in Van Halen. And it (laughs) had raised eyebrow there for people listening. And um, it has, it's it's the guitar driven Weezer record again. It has shit loads of solos on it and shit like that. This is what Rivers has promised. So... Why is it all got to be a gimmick? Like everything, mm. stop being a fucking gimmick. Well, that's the thing. The blue album was just ten brilliant songs. Yeah. Pinkerton, to a degree, was just ten brilliant well, songs based on Madam Butterfly. But you know, it, ten brilliant basically, songs. They didn't become like a proper gimmicky band. Beverly Hills is quite a kind yeah, of Beverly novelty. Hills, that's like a bit of a teenage dirtbag of a song. Yeah, uh, but really, it's Ratitude where they suddenly went. We're a novelty band now. Yeah, I and agree. All the shit I was saying about the Teal album. It's like you. Why are you choosing to be like? I don't mind if fucking OPM come out and they go, oh, we're a stupid novelty band. Yeah, we're, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? I don't care when upon a burning body cover like you know turned down for what? I don't, they're not worth thinking about in the first place. But when a band you go, well, you were genuinely really, really good, and now you're just a you're a fucking you're a Snapchat filter. Yeah, I I, I do understand that argument. I do. Uh, It's very, very frustrating. And sometimes I often feel it. Um, The 15th record, not that you're going to care. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Steve just rolled his eyes. Um, Is uh, Two Unlimited. (laughs) That would be interesting, at least. Um, It's a piano-based Weezer record. Oh, great. (laughs) I look forward to reviewing both of those. I I, I fucking... Do you know what? Weezer, I feel bad. I mean, I say I feel bad. I can only feel what I feel. And yeah. Weezer have given me so much pleasure over the years yeah. that I should feel bad. But it's not our job to come here and go, oh, give them a pat, like, you know, pat them on the head. No, no, Weezer. No, no. And so that's why we're giving them a kick in. Sorry, folks. It, you Weezer. more than me. I mean, I do not like this record, but... but yeah, you're but not giving them a kick in, really. I, 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 I don't think it's very good. Okay. You'll be the first when the when the when the Weezer Nuremberg trials happen, Renfrey. You'll be <laughs> first up against the wall, just following orders, aren't you? Has um, the, the teal <laughs> does the teal album seem any better as a result? No, it's, no. The teal, well, the, okay. the thing about the teal album is is those songs are are inherent, oh, great. are yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, without Footloose, it just feels like <laughs> I don't know. It just it's just sequencing, isn't it? That's the problem. Um, <laughs> the lack of Footloose just doesn't make sense as a record no the teal album is still I just think is embarrassing someone okay. said oh you know I had a really good time listening to that and it's like you'd have a better time listening to the, to the originals of the songs and you know and you wouldn't have that good a time doing that because you've probably heard them all a hundred a million, million times, fucking yeah. times anyway so anyway we've already reviewed the teal album I'm not going back to it it's pointless I just love it mate I, I, well, I have you it. listened to it since? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, very really free. It. It's a, it's slow, a re- slow it's a, year, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really good way. It, it's a great party. It's a great album to put on just before you're going out. It really pumps you up. It won't pump you up. But it's like, yeah, I'm really pumped up for put the night. I'm now 16. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, that's the point. But I don't know. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's yeah, good. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, it's that's in my top 20 album. of the year. You fu- well, we've only reviewed 14 albums. Yeah, exactly. It's not in mine. 
If there was, if we reviewed twenty albums and that was one of them, we had to do our top twenty. <laughs> I would there. review. I would just record myself clapping and and put it out on probably on Holy Raw. And um, <laughs> everything goes out on Holy Raw these days. Yeah, all the good. I go, go on, let me go on. You got Steve, put something. You got put Steve. something rubbish out one day. Haven't you, surely. <laughs> Steve clapping. It's the first <laughs> shit release on Holy Raw. Um, <laughs> and I'd put that at number twenty, or maybe number nineteen above um, above the Mark Moulton album. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for personal reasons. Um, Shall anyway, we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Right, good. It's a proper thing now. Uh, Holding Absence. That was a black album by Weezer, by the way. Um, Holding Absence have a uh, an album out. It is their self-titled debut album. They are a Welsh band um, of the metalcore persuasion. Would that be fair? Well, they keep... Uh, I don't know if that is accurate, I have to say. Okay. It's a little bit difficult to... Um... No, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 well, I, hold on, let's not just say I don't... Just don't shut me down and then not have any kind of... Well, okay, The, the I, when I downloaded this from the, um, uh, uh, the place that we download albums... Mm-hmm. Um, it did describe it. Tower Records. A, <laughs> it did say the, the Nuclear Blast Eyepool, I think you'll find. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. The genre was. They're lovely to us, by the way. We keep slagging our bands off Nuclear Blast and us yeah. recently. So. Yeah, sorry, Th- thanks. Sorry. You Nuclear really Blast. do release some really great stuff. So yeah, we like you personally. It's just. There's well, been I some... like some of their albums as well. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some of them. It's just not in the last few weeks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite difficult. Yeah. Um, but. Um, but uh, Yes, uh, and it did say genre, genre, genre. Mm. there we go. Uh, gender. Uh, gen- <laughs> I've had a lot of, th- I'm very drink. confused. A lot of drink, yeah. Genre metalcore, and yeah. I was like, oh great, another metalcore record. I downloaded it I was, and listened to it, and I was like, well, I don't think this is a metalcore record, because there's, well, for starters, because there's a lot going on on it. Um, hey, yep, mm. Steve is not looking impressed. Well. Um, um, and I would say it's a promising, well, Holding Absence have been. Did I don't think split with Loathe. They who did a split. Are really good. They did a split with Loathe, who are fantastic. Um, that's that when makes I it feel like I've sort of shot my wand. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this, but I haven't actually. That's that's. Um, I I loved that split. I will admit that the Loathe songs mm. were particularly brilliant on that split, yeah. and. Um, those two holding absent songs did suffer slightly from being on that split with low because those low songs are so good even yeah. if one of them does sound exactly like death tones but um uh but holding absence have been like teasing singles and releasing singles for quite a while and and i i i, I didn't want to say hyped because i don't think they've been hyped but there's definitely definitely people who there's a buzz around them. there's a buzz around them yeah. buzz is a far better word than hype there's definitely a buzz around this band um and i can sort of i can see why i can see why yeah. yeah i can definitely see why i think they um you're right i don't think metalcore is the correct terminology certainly not how we think about metalcore but then you know come mm. on let's not get into mm-hmm. that but there's definitely um it is to me it is contemporary modern kind of rock metal i guess yes like it's it's the sort of thing which has got there's a bit of an element that they're 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 obviously a very 
they're quite a technical band, but not so much that you consider them to be a tech metal band. Nope. They're melodic and anthemic enough yep. for you to consider them one of those kind of radio metal bands, but yep. I don't think they're as um, sort of schmaltzy or as, uh, you know, watered down and diluted as a lot of those bands. I think there's far more going on with yeah. them than, than most of those bands. Yep. I think you could say they're a modern metalcore band, but I think, yeah. again, because of the technicality and because of the fact that they don't rely on breakdowns and beatdowns yep. and it's not as formulaic as a lot of that stuff. It means they are actually, although they seem on the, on the surface, they seem to be, you know, very, very, you kind of, the first time I listened to it, I went, Oh, they're one of those bands. Yeah. And yeah. then as I listened to it again, I was like, well, actually they're dipping their toes into a lot of things i can see why a cursory listen would make people go that's metalcore mm. but but it's it's it isn't really it isn't no. really no it's a few things unfortunately it's a few things that i'm not that fussed by uh, okay. <laughs> like by any of okay. those things you know modern metalcore radio metal and the sort of the more um sort of commercial end of tech metal is not something and none of those things are things that i'm particularly jumping up and down about i have to be honest but saying that I think this is quite promising. Yeah, so do I. I think there's some good songs on it. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. I think there's some stuff that I'm not that keen on. Yes, uh, agreed. Definitely, there's some songs that I'm not that fussed on. Can I ask, um, there's a... Uh, this album is about love. Uh, mm -hmm. It's actually about um, the uh, beginnings and... It, 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 it hasn't been described as a concept album, but I guess it is a concept album mm -hmm. of sorts because it's about the beginnings and endings of a relationship, basically. Yeah. So as a result, um, there's uh, relatively unusual for a lot of metal, particularly modern metal, I find there's a lot of quite um, sensitive, mm. more... I think the vocalist, his name's Lucas something, um, has quite... A re has a really good voice actually he's got a good voice yeah i, yeah, th I think i think he goes from um melodic singing to screamed and back again in um a good a really good way and that's actually something that's very difficult to achieve to yeah. make it actually sound good and convincing and stuff like that i think he's got some good melodies I, yes oh, well, i was gonna say on that motif about him having good melodies yes the for me the, the last track on it will is the best song on the record one billion million percent yeah, which definitely is the best isn't track. a percentage but wilt I, I, I think Wilt is a bit of a mini masterpiece, actually. It's great. I think it is all the elements that make up Holding Absence and all the elements that make them a very good band put into this six and a half minute track. Mm. And I think it is fucking astonishing. Yeah. And, and his, his vocal performance, particularly on it, is phenomenal. Really, really brilliant. Yeah. That was the first time on the record. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. That was the first and i guess because it was the last song the only time on the record where i my ears really pricked up and went wow it's a it's a brilliant song yeah and i think that's the thing i think holding absence have cool elements to them but throughout the record the majority of those elements are quite separate from one another and wilt is when all those elements come together really well one of the elements we haven't really mentioned at the moment is um the piano there's a shitload of piano yeah. on this um, which I think is really cool. Um, there are bits, there's a song, the, a, a sort of interlude song just before Wilt called Purge, which has fragile era Nine Inch Nails yeah, vibes yeah. going on, dare I say it, but it does, you know, it it's does. it's good. Um, it's really, really good. Um, put that 
to that at that point actually but you're right you're quite right yeah yeah it really it really does and 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 there are some really cool ideas i think sometimes i was really curious about what you think for this record because i think when it doesn't work for me is when it's a tad too wet um i actually go the other way oh right and i think it doesn't work do do you know who they remind me of a little bit it's just Mm. kind of popped into my head because i was like when they're good they remind me of someone um who i always think have got a lot of promise but have never delivered as much and that's north lane ah yeah yeah. so they kind of north lane have this thing where i go his voice is amazing Mm. They've got some incredible riffs that come in. They'll occasionally chuck in a really great song, but I never feel like... But then, you know, North Lane have, what, four albums down the line yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So North Lane have, are a much more established band than, than Holding Absence. This yeah. is their debut record. Yeah. I think Holding Absence have shown that they can, at the very, very least... We think like North Lane, not last year, the year before, opened the main stage at Download. I think there's potential for this band to to at least match that i do as well and i think this is a really key thing um we moan as does the entire rock press a lot (laughs) about how we do not have all that much mainstream representation anymore we don't have much play on radio so on so forth blah 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 and when we do it's really weak diluted stuff Mm. it's getting better we've got black peaks on the radio and stuff like that now but you know um and the thing is 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 we need bands who are going to straddle that line of being genuinely quite metal and crunchy and heavy, mm. but also having enough of a melodic edge to appeal to people outside of the genre. And I am not saying that holding absences are going to be the band to do that because that is far too difficult to predict. But I do think there are enough elements here for them for a ba- for for them or a band like them to do that and yeah. actually i think you could look at that really cynically and go oh they're just trying to get on the radio or you could go actually we need that that's exactly what this genre needs right now but i i cut you off actually because you're gonna say the weaker elements are the parts that you don't think quite work um the there were a couple of songs which i think I listen to and I go, they're probably going to put that, they're probably going to try and put that on the radio, aren't they? Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. One of them is Marigold, which is basically a gentle piano ballad, Mm. which I actually really like. I think that's really good. One song which I think they would be mad not to try and get on the radio is Monochrome, but I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, uh, The um, chorus, oh, it just, oh is so unprofessional but i just don't like it it just annoys me it's a it's a little it's a little bit it's like all time low but with interesting instrumentation Mm. (laughs) like um a weird thing to 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 try and imagine but if you want to hear all time low but with interesting instrumentation check out monochrome by uh by holding absence but that is more it is more a personal kind of like oh that melody just pisses me off it gets in my head but it just annoys me um but i think you know if we look back to a time that we both love um bands 2014 used, i think he's sort of 90s oh, and stuff. Right, yeah, bands yeah. used to do this thing where they'd have a song which was put on the radio and people got into it and liked it and then they bought the album and then they're like fucking hell I mean, Wait and Bleed could be seen as an example. Wait and Bleed yeah. is far less heavy than anything else on Slipknot, but yeah. it's a means to get people in. Um, 
you could argue epic faith no more potentially under the bridge under the bridge is a wonderful example this is 80s but sweet child of mine guns and roses and we don't really have bands doing that anymore i think because people look at it and go ah cynical you're trying to get on the radio but but the truth is we do need those bands and i think for that alone holding absence should kind of be um applauded Mm. um because they i I don't know if it's conscious or not but but i feel i i listen to these songs and i go they they feel heavy enough and they feel interesting enough to to me um to not let down my (laughs) metal side Mm. but um but i think there's enough on here to appeal to people who might not normally listen to metal yeah um it reminded me of Hundred Reasons in that way, in a sense. There's a very Hundred Reasons esque thing to his vocals, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and maybe in the emotive. I've not heard that so much. But no, okay. okay. But sort of that when it looked like there was this post hardcore scene in the UK, which looked like it was going to blow up and like yeah. Hell is for Heroes got signed and Hundred Funeral Reasons. For friend. Funeral for a friend. You know, when it looked like it never quite did, which mm. is really annoying, but it, it looked like it was going to blow up. Sometimes it reminds me of elements of that. And I think. I think that is important, you know, I think it's important. I'm not seeing many bands straddling that line well. And I think... Tough thing to do. It's a, because, exactly, because it's, really it's a really hard. hard thing to do. And I think this album straddles that line well most of the time. I think it'll, I think they'll get better. Yeah, I, I hope do they'll too. Get I, I, I wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, I'm definitely not down on them at all. No. I'm definitely not like, oh, fuck that band or anything. I think this is got elements of things I think could be really good one day. Mm, um, I, agree. I hope they take what they've got and they realise that they're a way off from being a, a special band. And I hope that they go, right, well, in two albums' time, by the third album, we can make something great. Because it'd be good if they got the chance to do that as well. Yeah. A lot of bands don't even get the chance. You've got to be good straight away. And you know, like I hope they take Wilt as a blueprint and go year zero for this band as Wilt. Uh, yes. Which which sounds like I'm... That sounds a little harsh in terms of I go, oh, I'm, no, I'm no, discounting yeah. everything else. But but if if they did, if Wilt was a beginning point for a band, I would be so fucking excited. Well, yeah, because it's just so much better than everything else. brilliant. It's so much yeah. better than everything else. So. But, but it's so... Co- it, it brings all these separate elements together and, and does it cohesively. And that that is where the real artistry of this kind of thing is. Mm. And um, I don't want to say that the, the rest of the record doesn't bring elements together. It's just Wilt does it so brilliantly, sure. like so well. Um, that's a proper good. That's such a good song. Yeah, great song. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really I'm definitely going to keep an eye on them. I really want to see them live. Yeah, really curious them. to see them live as I've not had a chance yet. And um, yeah, promising. Yeah, so that sounds like your bag. They're called Holding Absence. That's their self-titled debut record. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see Mm. where they go with this. Uh, So the last album we're going to review comes from the beautifully, brilliantly named Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard. Again, from Wales. Um, The Welsh stoners, sludge... Uh, doom laden whatever they psychedelic are psychedelic stoner psychedelic, space yeah. rock as um, you would expect from the uh, name of the band I think yes yes I think so it's their third album it's called Yin Oi Anwen fair play for giving that a go wrong in it it is wrong of course it is uh, it's pronounced Un Oi Anun right well I mean 
You were never going to get that right. But then I looked that up beforehand. It's Welsh, and it means return to the underworld, which is very apt. Cool. Well, yeah. So um, I saw these guys at the Southbank Centre last year. Oh. On the same uh, day that Nine Inch Nails played uh, the Royal Albert Hall. Yes. The same day, the curation, because it was Robert Smith did it. And Robert Smith booked them to just play. Yes. Robert Smith personally booked them to play Meltdown Festival. Yeah, they played outside on the day that England beat panama 6-1 in the world cup we a load of england fans were watching in blazing heat and sunlight they played outdoors and it was it was fucking loud yeah it was loud and it was scary and it was weird and a lot of people were just looking at it like i don't really know what's going on here <laughs> at sort of half past four in the afternoon so it was an excellent thing to see um i saw them at roadburn festival at about i'm guessing half past 12 at night and uh similar to my armed experience being in the netherlands i don't remember much of it but i enjoyed it mm. yeah, it was cool there are a lot of um issues with sound when i did saw they? Them. yeah okay. i think their amps kept blowing up but it was it was like right 27 degrees or something that day it was like one of the hottest yeah. days of the year yeah, yeah, yeah. um so, but I, that's pretty much where my um where my uh, my knowledge begins and ends with yeah. Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastards. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. about you? And I'm, I'm quite similar, actually. I've seen them once. Um, and I think there is a... You, may, you know, you make an assumption, especially with a name like that. I, it's such a, I think it's such a shame that they have that name. And I think they did it, like, partly as a joke. You know, it was almost like just take a random word generator for sort of Doom and Stoner bands. Doom, Doom, Stoner psychedelic kind of stuff um they undoubtedly are a doom and stoner band but they have a lot of things going on really yes i didn't expect this to sound like this yes I, i i will say that when the when i got the record i downloaded it and it was 65 minutes and you know confession i went because 65 minutes of rome well exactly 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 now i'm not i'm not a massive doom aficionado if i'm honest you know i'm not massively into doom and stuff and 65 minutes i was just i based i i got a picture in my head as to what it was going to be um and i'm really and i thought that was going to be sludgy and and repetitive and drawn out and long and boring you know it's eight tracks over 65 minutes um that is definitely not an accurate picture even though all those things i just said sometimes repetitive sometimes sludgy are accurate uh to an extent there's a lot more going on on this as well there is Um, there really is i mean Early Monster Magnet yep. is a great yeah, kind of a comparison. Great show, actually, I think. Spine you of God know, era, yeah, and um, Dope's Infinity, that kind of era of Monster Magnet. I think um, because there are bits where it is pure kind of wrung out psychedelic. There's a song in it called, I mean, fucking, no, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but Du bist jetzt nicht in der Zunkuft. Zukunft. Right, I think that's how you say it. It's I'm assuming that's wrong, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I assume it's wrong. It's <laughs> definitely wrong. Um, it's definitely not Welsh either. And uh, that's German, isn't it? Fully German. That. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's the weird sort of four minute. Yeah, inst- yeah, 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 yeah. I know the one. Yeah, it's basically an instrumental. It's kind of um, synthy keys and, and cello. really cello and spacey sounding and really quite it's cool. Beautiful cool yeah. and quite beautiful and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the last track is 10 minutes long it's five five days in the abyss yeah and that goes that swirls around and it's yeah, really yeah. and the, i love that the, the way it ends is basically the this riff 
kind of speeding up. Actually, no, it's the one before, isn't it? That's the, the majestic, the majestic clock. clock. Yeah, where the that riff just slowly speeds up. Yeah, awesome. Quicker and quicker and quicker, and that that's great. And yeah. that, that's something which you know, uh, I, I like a lot of the Desert Fest bands, and I like a lot of those kind of stoner and, and doom bands. I do, but I have to be in the mood to want to listen to it. A hundred percent. Like yeah. I have to really go. Oh, I just feel like sitting there and having like a riff, just like yeah, punch. Yeah, punch. I love sleep punch, but yeah. I don't want to listen to them all the time. No, I mean like that they are great, but mm. you know, yeah, yeah, time and a place. Yeah, of course. And I think if you're one of the best bands like Sleep, mm. like Monster Magnet, mm. I think yeah, I'm up for that. But I'm not always up for that much. Whereas I listened to this and I was like, there's enough diversity and there's enough other otherness of it exactly. for me to feel like I could put this on just if I wanted to listen to a melodic metal record i agree you know or not you know there's so much of it that's not even metally you know she's got an she's got an incredible kind of high um you know that the heights and the the sort of the 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 notes that she hits Mm -hmm. and the sort of register that she sings in Mm. in comparison with how low the band sound is a really wicked kind of um counterbalance from from each other well this is the other thing we have to mention when you think of those stoner psychedelic uh bands uh i think most people know the sort we're talking about usually you think of them being fronted by a big grizzly hairy man who looks like he probably smells doesn't necessarily but Mm. you know and has long hair and a beard basically someone who looks like me um and mammoth weed wizard bastard are fronted by um jessica bell who her vocals are very kind of ethereal they often kind of float over the top of Mm. these like you say it is that juxtaposition of the really groovy bassy riffs and her vocals floating over the top in a manner not too dissimilar to Chelsea Wolfe, mm-hmm. say. And I think yeah. it is that wicked distinction um, that make, that really lifts this. Um, yeah. It's almost as if um, women are having a positive effect on metal. Um, but well, I don't know why you hate men so much, Renfrew. Why is that? Let's not bring that up because that can be a controversial opinion, can't it, Steve, apparently? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know why you have to attack men. <laughs> I, I hate all men now. Yeah. I've shifted my position. <laughs> <laughs> I think women are great oh, and men good. suck. Oh, we, I love the internet for those of you listening. But that's the thing. When we have, we, we've, you know, we've banged on about this a fair amount, but that, the fact that the vocalist of this band is a woman hmm. makes them better. Yeah, because, really does. Yeah. because of the juxtaposition uh-huh. of her higher floaty vocals and those bassy riffs because that juxtaposition is there and and she attains something that a man could not do would uh, would even the most effeminate man would not be capable of doing it's true Um, yeah i like this a lot it's cool isn't it i like it comfortably the best record of the week for me yes um it is there's minor 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 issues with it um there's a track i do not remember the name of it it probably got a weird name anyway um but it's a 13 minute instrumental which even with my post-rock sensibilities i think goes on a little bit too long yeah um i i i've got to say i was starting first i think the first five tracks are great yeah and then halfway through it's called cat um Kat- 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 Yushna. yes um, halfway through that, I was like, Ooh. 
But yeah. then the majestic clockwork comes in, and oh, five days of the abyss come in, and yeah. that is a, it's a killer end to the killer record. ending, yeah. killer end yeah. to the record. Very, very good start. I think that middle point is is the the sweet spot for me. Well, do you know what I would have done? I, I to be honest, all I would have done is sh- shaved five minutes off the thirteen minute instrumental, and yeah. I think you'd have a pretty fucking awesome record. Mm. It's sixty five minutes. It'd be quite nice to have it as an hour exactly. Yeah. Um. And as I said, you know, when I initially loaded it up, and I was like, oh god, sixty five minutes. Is this going to keep my attention? Well, broadly, yes, it did, and I was really. St- pleasantly surprised it's mm. really good and I, I very much like this album, yeah I have this to is say. this is the third part in a trilogy i've not heard the first or second parts but now i really want to yeah um i think it's really good i, I good. think it's cool yeah. yeah so there you go um the band are called mammoth weed wizard bastard um the album so you know if you go i oh, just wish there was record shops excuse me have you got <laughs> yuloi yee anwi by mammoth weed wizard bastard going into bloody r price and asking for that yeah they're not making it easy for themselves, unfortunately. No, I mean, they're not going to get on Jules Holland. No. Oh, it'd be wicked if they did. But then, then having said that, people probably wouldn't have said they wouldn't have got a meltdown. Yeah. Um, and Robert Smith personally asked them to come on, so that's really cool. I don't know. Robert I, Smith's cool, though, isn't he? Robert Smith's Holland. fucking not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. Plays a mean piano. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> my hero i'm just saying it does <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean um, that's not that is but anyway accurate. that is out now i'm not going to say the name of it again it's very good and if you're interested in that scene at all and i'm sure if you are you're already familiar with them um you obviously should uh should check them the fuck out it's pronounced un all e anun yeah it did that in a bit of a scottish accent like, oh, it, was a, it was a bit it was it was too scottish yeah, yeah. um we have moved trade-off to the end of the show this week because we spoke about potentially doing that a couple of weeks ago we're going to try it out this week uh there is kind of a reason for it um which we'll get to in a little bit but we're going to end the show with trade-off that's what we're going to do we're going to start with what you gave me renfrey which is um divers by joanna newsom which was released in 2015 it's um uh, her who goes out with Andy Samberg. She's married to Andy Samberg yeah, of yeah, yeah. SNL, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Lonely Island. She is. So there you go. That's all the positives I have to say about this record. Whoa! Uh, I okay. Got, so Renfrey, you gave me this and you kind of let slip the other day how much you like it. I had a... How can I put it? I had a, a violent reaction to this. <laughs> Oh, I did. I didn't expect a claw finger response. Okay. No, no, I wouldn't say it's quite a claw finger response. Yeah. Initially, I was like, oh. And then I started listening to it and it felt like the sort of thing that I should like. Okay. Because I listened to it and I thought, this is very well put together. It's, it, very, it's very well put together. Very well put together. She's obviously very talented. She's incredibly talented. These songs are quite, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot going on here loads so why do i am i so not why am i not getting anything from it at all may i hazard a guess you can have a guess i know the answer by the way but you can hazard a guess is it is it's uh too twee for you it's quite twee Mm. it It is is quite quite twee it is quite twee like i'm not gonna lie there's a tweeness about it i think that that cuts into it a little bit but then I think my problem with it is it's not so much that I think some of the song structures in it and some of the, the instrumentation in the background I think is really, really fucking cool. It is a bit Zooey de Chanel quirky girl. Meow, meow. Like, do you know what I mean? A lot of it. 
Um, but that's fine sometimes. It's her voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard this a lot. It's her voice. It's Marmite. She, I just, the thing is, right, so straight away I was like, ah, it's kind of Kate Bush cross with Bjork. Is that what we're, we're saying? I would, yeah. I, I, I think I gave this to you because I, I personally see Joanna Newsom as this generation's Kate Bush. <laughs> um, so here's, here's, here's how I feel about that. Yeah. This is far too affected for me. Right. I didn't believe it. I don't, ah, okay. I don't, I don't believe that she really sounds like that. I was listening to it and I was like, I listened to Kate Bush, right? Who's, I've been, who actually I was listening to, before you gave me this a couple of weeks ago, I put on a like Kate Bush Essentials on Apple Music and I was like, fucking hell, Kate Bush is, she's mad. She's mad as fuck, Kate Bush. Like, br- like she's brilliant, mm. obviously, mm. but she's fucking mental. And you go, what a mad, like, where did she come up with that shit? That's mm. insane. Mm. And then fast forward 15 years or, or whatever, the person who got a lot of the, you're just ripping off Kate Bush, who I really like is Tori Amos. In fact, mm-hmm. I probably got into Tori Amos properly before I got into Kate Bush. I was definitely mm-hmm. aware of Kate Bush before. Um, but Tori Amos got a lot of that. Tori Amos was, um, which I can understand to a certain extent, Tori Amos um, came from a, a sort of scene in a time where her peers and her kind of contemporaries would be, um, you know, uh, Bjork, as you mentioned, PJ Harvey, even Lasmore set and Courtney Love and people like that would be her contemporary. So it was kind of, whereas Kate Bush was this waif-like, wafting, ethereal, like bizarre, sort of pixie vixen character who seemed to operate in a completely, in a kind of in medieval times, mm-hmm. Tori Amos took that and put it in a tea dress and Doc Martin's boots mm-hmm. and changed it. And although, yes, you can listen to Tori Amos and go, hugely hugely inspired and influenced by kate bush hugely but if there's a kind of a dial with got kate bush on one side and courtney love on the other or you know in insert 90s right girl here like you're about to say something that's gonna hurt me yeah go on um shirley manson whatever i think that dial is turned slightly like is in the middle but slightly more towards kate bush than courtney love right for, for this or tori amos for tori amos right right so i i think there's a lot a lot you know like there's a lot a lot of kate bush but there's something else there i listened to this and i thought there's n- i it feels very much like pure pastiche is how i felt i listened to her voice and it felt to me like someone had just gone if you sound like them, no one's heard it. A bit like, I'll tell you what, actually, a bit like, you know when we were talking about the 1975 yeah. and the comparisons with OK Computer? Okay, yeah, yeah. And you were like, well, you know, we've got OK Computer, so why do we need this? Yeah. That's this with Kate <sighs> Bush. Uh, wow, okay. I totally understand her voice is Marmite. I do understand that it is, uh, yeah, it is love it or hate it. Um, obviously, I stand more on the love side. In terms of the affected way of her voice, I think, I think you need to ask. Uh, I don't think you need to ask yourself. Mm. That sounds a bit aggressive. I, th- I think, I think, I think it can make one ask what. 
when you know what what is affecting your voice you can argue that every single artist in the world affects their voice it's just how you affect it Mm -hmm. um something that joanna newsom does is she shapes her mouth in a in what some would call the wrong way to sing certain words so that it comes out a little bit like this so it's almost as if my mouth is making the it's it's almost if if someone was trying to lip read you and you were trying to prevent them from lip reading you you might try a little bit unusually and shape your mouth in the wrong way to bring your words out Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Thank goodness. Does does it? Are you being no, sorry? no? It does good, make good. sense. Okay. In, in, I mean, in terms of this record, it makes sense. Yeah, I I can understand, and I've spoken to many people um, who find that incredibly annoying, and I understand why. I mm. get it, but I rather than rather than her affecting her voice in that way, I see it as her using it as an experimental tool. As, as a as a as a means of trying something different and new and unusual um whilst i do think the kate bush uh, you know i made the kate bush comparison and obviously mm. you have as well i don't i do not think this is a carbon copy of kate bush at all uh, th- this to me you, not maybe not musically but i think kind of that what you've just said mm. about her moving her mouth in a way that to me feels like someone going well i've seen the way bjork and kate bush kind of make funny faces so i'll do that as well like that might be completely untrue it might not be true but it is just there's something about it that i know affected i mean maybe i think i said affected because i feel like disingenuous mm. is too far right okay there is an element of that where I'm like, this to me feels like somebody playing dress up a bit. Hmm. Uh, neither of us know. No, um, of course. I would be, I will say I would be stunned if Joanna Newsom isn't influenced by Kate Bush or Bjork. Uh, yeah, of course. I would be stunned. Uh, probably Tori Amos as well, actually, yeah. to be honest. Um, and I, and the, but, but, you know, <sighs> what's wrong with being influenced by stuff? I mean, I no, mean, no, you know, no, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with being influenced yeah, by yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being influenced by stuff, but it's, this is Greta Van Fleet to me. Do you know what I mean? Oh, mate. Jesus. It, it You're is. giving me a heart attack. It, it's, it's, do you know what I mean? That's how, that's just my, how I felt about it. Oh. I was like, this is how I feel about Greta Van Fleet. Like, I don't need this. Oh God. Okay. I mean, I think the massive, massive stark difference, which we haven't really talked about is Joanna Newsom takes that voice thing, mm. um, which obviously you're, well, maybe you're not keen on. No, but... no, I don't, I don't dislike it. I just mm. sort of felt it was, like I say, a little bit disingenuous and a bit, you know, Matey Boy from, again, Matey Boy from Greta Van Fleet, he sings like Robert Plant because, yeah. and and I'm, it, it's probably not dis, a disingenuous way of him singing like Robert Plant. Mm. He's probably, he might not even actively be going, oh, I need to sound like Robert Plant. I need to rip off Robert Plant. But I've defended Greta Van Fleet and even, course, I, even I would dispute that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm yeah. just saying, you know, for argument's <laughs> yeah. sake, yeah, he yeah, might yeah. not be going, oh, I need to sound like Robert Plant. Yeah, I have yeah, to, yeah, I have yeah, to. Yeah. I must find out a way to sing like Robert Plant. <laughs> He's probably listened to so much Led Zeppelin mm, that, mm, but, mm. but my problem is, is that, you know, like is, is with, with artists like that and, and, and with Joanna Newsom, um, 
And it is the voice because it's not really the music. It's the voice. I go, I don't feel that you have... I, I don't feel like I heard her own voice. Okay. I don't feel like... And, and with, with music, which was so kind of involved and and and, and difficult because it's a, it's a very... Um, a very difficult record. It's a very, you know, it's, it's a. It is, yeah. yeah. It, it's a very like. It's it, a wonder. It's, it's a wonder that she plays Hammersmith Apollo. And yeah, stuff like yeah, this. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a. The record is packed. It's yeah. A, can, it's packed you know, with ideas. It, yeah, and it really is. And there that, aren't really choruses on it. No, and you know, obviously she plays a harp as well, which yep. is kind of a weird, um, and and different thing to do. So there's stuff about it you go like, uh, I don't dislike her, and I don't. I, I kind of, you know, I admire all those things you just said. And I think even the music, the problem with the music is, is that it is a bit twee. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, mm. I did feel like at some points it was like, like I say, a bit Zooey de Chanel. A little bit Hovis advert. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think Hovis advert is more, uh, I, I mean, I the, re, the reason why I well, do. Well, it's, it's a bit like, um, uh, like indie rom-com music, indie movie rom-com music. I, I do disagree with the Zooey de Chanel um, um comparison and and that indie rom-com music thing because for me this is more um taking a massive influence from kate bush undoubtedly and those sorts Mm. of artists and bringing it into the classical realm um most of the music and instrumentation she uses actually comes from the classical world right she uses loads of old school medieval instruments which people don't even like know anything about um Mm. she's like a collector of medieval instruments i believe Mm. Uh, lutes and so on and so forth and stuff like that and she creates this world i mean in terms of song structure for most of her songs they actually have more to do with musicals than they do with contemporary what we would call pop music or whatever um there's you know very rarely a verse chorus verse structure Mm. um in her stuff um and all of those elements to me are just really fascinating. I think the first song does sound like, I, I am not a fan of musicals, yeah. but the first song does sound like a song from a musical in the way that it changes mood and it's like setting something up and there's like, um, there's clarinet in it and just all sorts of things going on. The temp- it's very clever. It's very clever. It's very clever. Yeah. It's very dense. Very dense. Yeah. And it's very well put together. Um, I just never felt. I never. I think the thing is, I never felt connected to it. Okay. I never I, felt connected I, to it because I always felt like I was listening to someone who was. There's so much going on that when you get an album like that, sometimes you just you want to be able to go right. Where's the center point of this, and how do I feel? Where's the heart that mm, I can? And mm. I just felt it was kind of an impression of Kate Bush. Do you know what I mean? That's how I felt about it. At the, the very heart of it, even though all this kind of stuff surrounding it was very impressive and mm. blah, blah, blah. It never actually connected with me. Uh, uh, fair enough. Sorry. No, fair enough. I, 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 it's difficult to know what to grab onto because mm. there's so much going on and yeah. there isn't a central chorus or point or uh, point there is a yeah i i understand that it's not something i feel but i do understand that um i'm you will be pleased that i gave you this album because i was either going to give you this or have one on me uh which is a triple album oh fucking <laughs> hell so 
um, and I couldn't decide which to give you. And I decided I went, well, have one on me might be a little bit harsh because it's mm. about two hours and 20 minutes. If you give me that, mate, you would be <laughs> fucking, this would be the end. Right? <laughs> so I'm glad I made the choice of giving you Divers. But yeah, yeah have one on me is her third album and it's three CDs, Jeez, 18 songs. Man. It's fucking great. Not for me, I think. <laughs> no, um, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, fair but dues. I mean, she seems to have, uh, you know, the fact that, like you say, she comes over and plays Hammersmith Apollo, that is pretty She's huge. impressive. That is pretty impressive. And it's maybe one of those things where, how, you know, where, like like I say, to give it again, the 1975 comparison, mm. whereas you would go, I've got OK Computer, I don't need this, it's mm-hmm, not as good. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of go, I've got Hounds of Love, I don't need this. Yeah. Um, for people who haven't heard that sort of thing, yeah, there is probably uh, an element of going, well, you know, this is a gateway into so, to something, and I'd rather that they were a gateway into more interesting things um, than not. So, I to say I hate her, yeah, and I hate it is is not true, but it, it's fucking. But I did have, like I said, I yeah. listened to it, and by the end, I was like, I wish this album would fuck off. Now. <laughs> I, I. I but but I suppose what you're saying is it's awesome that someone as inventive and creatively interesting as yeah. this is managing to sell out five thousand capacity venues yeah. in. I think she did two nights at Amazon Apollo actually. It's which, objectively very good. Exactly, obje- absolutely. It feels yeah. obje- objectively very impressive, but kind of emotionally quite stark to me. That's how I feel about it. That is fine. Okay. So there you go. That was I'm going to cry when I go home. Sorry, but. mate. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, I hope I made it up to you because that was Divers by Joanna Newsom. Now, um, I gave you, this is going back kind of two weeks now. Yeah. Um, I gave you, I told you I was going to give you uh, Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk mm. from 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, after we started, after we finished recording last week, we got the news through that um, Mark Hollis of Talk Talk died. Um, age 64 after a short illness on the 24th of february so that was the day that we recorded and um yeah and 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 we put a kind of i put a little thing in at the start of last week's show saying that we would discuss um mark hollis and we would obviously discuss talk talk but um yeah we would talk more about their kind of influence rather than just it be like hey what do you think about the album yeah and but i think it's important before we do talk about mark hollis first of all um to kind of do what we are meant to do on this show and talk about the record a little bit. And I know that you'd said you'd never heard this record before. Yes. Which so for someone who is so uh, uh, kind of au with, with the post-rock world, it's very, very surprising. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to start off just to get your thoughts initially before we go way deep into the talk, talk oeuvre about well, what you thought about this. I first, um, I would, I will do that in a second. I'm going to do a mini intro. I first heard the hypothesis that this was um, debatably the first post-rock record ever, or um, you know, there's some people certainly think that, in a book called Storm, Static, Sleep by Jack Shooter. I mention that now because I'm going to be talking a lot of, about that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think that the way that the album was described in that book... And I think also the fact that I saw Talk Talk and Mark Hollis himself would have hated this, but I saw Talk Talk as a new romantic band. Yeah. Um, That is down to the fact that I think when they began, I think their debut record probably 
could be see- they 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 toured with Duran Duran. Yeah, um, they did. So on, um, they actually signed the same management they company. S- as yeah, they Duran were both. So, they were both of the MI. Uh, yeah. So um, the the party's over, which is their debut album, is very very synth pop. Yeah. Um, both produced by the same producer, yeah. Colin Thurston, and um, it's my life. The follow up again, I think, is a slightly darker record. Yes, but it's still very much. Um, a record that is made from a lack of real instrument. It's made on. It's made with synth. You know, it was only really when they came to the Color of Spring um, in nineteen eighty six where they really started experimenting using real instruments. Yeah, they did. They mm, they began to use more organic instruments on nineteen eighty four's It's My Life. But I think I think I think the I think it totally took over on the next record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I think I was a little afraid to listen to it. Um, The way that it had been described, um, influenced by a lot of very avant-garde jazz, um, cut up and pasted together, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, how ahead of the time, how ahead of the curve is that? People praised Radiohead for doing that with Kid A. People also uh, hated uh, Radiohead for doing that with Kid A. Um, This came uh, 12 years before that. It did. So, you know record a record so ridiculously ahead of its time um yeah i think i think there was just an element of me that was just a little afraid because i i didn't think i would like it Mm. and i didn't want to not like it um i couldn't have been more wrong um there was a point this week where i was in danger of not doing my job properly and listening to the review, the albums that we actually reviewed on the show, yeah. because I was listening to Spirit of Eden too much. Yeah. I was this, I probably listened to this record twelve times this week. I reckon. Mm. Not only that, I've also gone back to the Color of Spring, mm-hmm. and I've also listened to Laughing Stock. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> so. to say, for, for kind of just, um, I mean, I would say, in terms of, in terms of quality. Of all the things I've given you, in terms of, I've given, and in terms of certainly in terms of influence, in terms of quality, I mean, I think Music of Spheres is great. Um, Sugar by uh, Copper, Copper Blue, Blue, Copper Blue by Sugar is great. a fucking yep. incredible record. But in terms, uh, in terms of quality, and certainly, I mean, is lapping the competition when it comes to influence. Yes, um, Spirit of Eden absolutely is so is a chasm. Between all the things I've ever given you on, on this show, and probably I would I would I would wager also the things you've given me, I think Spirit of Eden is so far the most influential album by a an absurd distance. Influential, uh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you think of the people who have. Um, I was just looking up the people who have covered. Um, life is what you make it which mm. is the it's not on this album but it's on it's the the the, the quote-unquote hit from the color of spring it is yeah, yeah uh yeah. placebo weezer yeah um uh annoyingly i don't have it in front of me but the, the, so many people have covered right. just that one song mm. it's it, and such a vast range of artists um well, for, for just just for just for a quick like mm. for my purpose my overview of talk talk um ironically uh although this is i gave you this album because it is the album that everyone points to even though we'll talk about its kind of commercial mm. <laughs> failings mm. uh mm. in a little bit um color spring is my favorite talk to oh record. is it okay because it's the one you know i mean you know i love synth pop yeah and you know i love or i very much like the kind of the, the radio heady kind of mm-hmm. the more challenging stuff i think color of spring is the one where they sit 
beautifully sit in between those two categories it's the point where you know there's a few songs on um on colors like obviously you know life is what you make it is a massive massive mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. hit song but then you've got like april 5th on that mm-hmm. album which mm-hmm. is you know it just appears out of nowhere as this this weird ambient avant-garde thing which is kind of not like anything else they've, they, they've ever done before really and it's it's a really really interesting record i also think laughing stock is is fucking upset, exceptional and that is again kind of spirit of eden done almost not beefed up a bit but almost done like i mean it's it, even more avant-garde, even more avant-garde. Yeah. and actually um i know we're talking about spirit of eden but laughing stock in in a in a bid to outdo themselves on spirit of eden um mark hollis took a load of um artists who performed on it because obviously he uh there's the kind of core of talk talk although he is the conductor mark hollis was the conductor he was the the kind of the genius behind talk talk he took um uh all the people that were going to be performing on laughing stock he got a load of kind of different people and said okay this is what um i want you to do um but he didn't play them what all the other artists were all the other musicians were playing so laughing stock is recorded with one musician improvising something the, improvising Mark Hollis's idea that he's only explaining to them in a dark room. So he switched all the lights off in the studio and said, I kind of want it to sound like this. And this musician would like kind of improvise around it and they'd do it one at a time. So the drummer would come in and go, I kind of want it to be like this. And then at some point, oh, you need to raise it up now. in the dark. Mm. And then at the end, he got all those tracks and he kind of, and he fitted them together to turn them into coherent songs. What the- a weird bizarre way to make a record and it they was, were nominated for best british band at the brits on that for that record we, oh wow <laughs> it uh, it is stories like this which ironically put me off because you right, hear yeah. that and you yeah, go yeah. well that's not gonna work is it yeah. <laughs> um I, I i will say also um that's very similar it's not exactly the same but it's very similar to the way the mars volta worked with francis the mute and we did that for writers we did quite yes. recently yeah yeah we did um so there you go weezer placebo mars volta is already quite um different um i really enjoy color of spring i thought it was very good um i've listened to laughing stock once and huh. I, I i need more time with that record yeah, it's sure. very avant-garde for and weird sure. mm. um for me spirit of eden is easily that i think it's absolute i think is an absolute masterpiece i think it's i couldn't agree incredible um and all of the stuff that i was worried about in terms of i know it's really ironic coming from me but Mm. i just thought it was going to be too wanky and considering i like a lot of wanky music you know blah 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 but i just no well i don't think it i mean i'm sure do you know what what it is about as well it's not that long no, it's about you 42 think, minutes. You think it's going to be really, really long. You think mm. in your head, oh my God, it's this, you know, jazz influenced, mm-hmm. avant-garde, um, weird kind of uh, you know, sort of post music record. Yeah, yeah. That kind of invented this very slow, very like indirect, very difficult form of music. The record flies past. It really it does. Flies past. Yeah. It, you look. You go. I'm on bloody. Tra- I feel like I've only listened to five minutes. I'm on yeah. track four already. Yeah. And you know, you know, the, the rainbow. The first track on it's nine minutes long. It's the yeah. longest song on it. And then, with the exception of Desire, Desire just ticks over seven minutes. Like, it's a very slow, subtle record, but it doesn't need to be 
14 minutes long. Like the songs don't need to be insanely long for them to do so much while seemingly doing so little. It's Well, this is the, th- I think there's a strong argument for saying, we talk about this in um, metal a lot, and mm. certainly I do, but you know, if you're throwing lots and lots and lots of shit at me all the time, I'm eventually going to find that boring and repetitive. Yeah. But if you're, if you're whispering to me, we said that actually you said this with A.A. Williams, if you're whispering to me, you're going to draw me in. Mm. And um, that's a lot of the time what this record does, not always, but a lot of the time what it does. Um, I wanted to, uh, obviously this, the, the connection with post rock with this record fascinates me. So yeah. I was like, what is it about this album that um, debatably started the post rock genre? And there's five things really. Um, I think it's having in- instrumentation, which is expanded beyond just guitars, bass and drums. Mm-hmm. Longer song structures that don't adhere to a verse chorus first structure. Yeah. Uh, increased dynamic extremes that were far beyond most contemporary music of the time. Abolishment of a central focal melodic point, mm-hmm. which again w- might put people off, but mm. don't uh, let it put you off. And also just using the studios and creative tool and means of experimentation yeah so i think those are the five things that link it to post rock um and mean that it's had a gigantic influence on um post rock there's a lot of people who are reluctant to call it a post rock album um hearing it listening to it i'm like sounds pretty damn post rock to me like (laughs) like you know um a lot a lot of post rock records don't have vocals on them which this does but then a lot of them do as well mm. so you know um I, I i think it's an utterly beautiful record this record was recorded a lot in the dark as well wasn't yeah. it um a lot of it was done with i, I think I, th- I think i think something that i love about it is no one instrument plays the entire melody mm. um which is something i also see in post rock I, I have to admit i've rarely seen it done to this degree of to this degree even even now um 31 years later mm. um but there isn't ever a, a a point on the record where it's one instrument playing the entire melody this instrument instrument a will play four notes of it instrument b will play six notes of it which accompany it and then instrument c will play the remaining eight notes of it or whatever and it's only when you have all three together that the melody comes out and makes sense and i think that's a large part of the genius of this album and a large part of what I adore about post-rock generally, not saying that post-rock always achieves that because often it doesn't, but yeah. I think that is the genius of Hollis, that he has that in his head mm. and he managed to get that out um, of the musicians he was working with. Um, a lot of the time he did just ask the musicians to improvise and then he would cut those up and put them into the record. And I like the fact that this album is so seamless um mm. you 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 were saying about, about the different songs on it the rainbows the first song and it's nine minutes long technically this album has six tracks yeah it's one song as far as i'm I, concerned it, mate it really does feel like one song it's one song it, I, it you you cannot i don't think 
you can listen to just you can't pick it like you know you can pick um life is what you make it or it's my yeah, life from yeah, a little yeah, bit earlier on in yeah, their career yeah but this record there it is a continual yeah. piece of music it never really stops it's really kind of beguiling how elements that you thought had been long since forgotten like 30 minutes earlier will just creep back in in a completely different song i mean in terms of uh you know i think again when we were talking the other week it's something that i read mark hollis saying about silence being an actual instrument yeah you know there are passages in this where there's nothing there's i mean there's literally nothing happening yeah there's literally it is literally silence when you think well that's the end of a song and it's not it's just yeah. and then a, you'll just hear a drum part. and we're talking or about a trombone it, yeah and we're, we're, like we're talking about it the way we're talking about it, if you haven't heard this record and you're listening to us going 20 seconds of silence and then there's a bit of trombone and they've chopped it all up and what and you think oh it's post-rock and i'm not really into that and this mm. is, I, honestly despite that this record's really catchy it's really like maybe a weird I don't want it. to put people off listening to it I don't know if I'd use the word catchy okay. but 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 no, but, but, right. but catchy but, but it's it's far easier to listen to than the, it yeah. probably sounds like we're making it sound mm, mm. and I think this is I think this is what's prevented me from listening to talk talk for so long because if you describe this record inherently it sounds like a really insanely experimental avant-garde thing and actually it is but it's surprisingly easy to listen to yeah it's a beautiful thing to listen to um i wanted to go back to this point about silence the Mm. way um silence is used i think um silence is a very very undervalued and underused thing in music yeah. Um, that might sound, that's one of the wankiest things I've probably said on this podcast. <laughs> but, um, there have been a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to quote from that Storm Sleep, uh, Storm Static Sleep books that I told you about. Um, the melody was an insinuation, leaving the listener to plug the harmonic gaps in their own head. And I think that's the whole thing. You, it leaves gaps which you then start filling in yourself. Yeah. That's how the silence kind of operates on this album. And you you fill in those gaps the more you listen to it. And so you become an active participant in the music, but it does it so subtly and so cleverly that you almost don't really realise you're doing it. It's weird how engaged you become in yeah, those silences. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, a brilliant record. Um, we, we should say as well, uh, Polydor... Um, and EMI, EMI it was actually dropped them after this record yes they did they had a big dispute uh, Mark Hollis took this record to EMI and went there you go there's my <laughs> we just had two two albums with two big massive MTV um, hit singles you know having toured with Duran Duran what six years ago here's our new album and EMI went nah go yeah. and change it and yeah. Mark Hollis went nah get to fuck yeah, I'm not yeah, changing yeah. this and um yeah, they just went, okay, well, then we're going to release it and we'll, we'll see you later, uh, which is mad. At that time, particularly, mm. it's mad. Um, I think the th- through listening to Talk Talk, I- I'm so annoyed that I didn't get into them before. Mm. I'm so annoyed that I got into them the week he passed away. Not that I would have had a chance to see them or anything no, like that, no, but I'm I mean, just, I'm just, live. yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanished. I'm vanished. just, 
I'm just annoyed that I hadn't got to it before. And I think the reason why is because Talk Talk embody so many of the things that we go on about in this podcast about what makes music amazing. Mm. Um, So, for example, when he began to, on the second album, uh, 1984, what's it called? It's My Life. It's My Life when he began to take uh, more a more organic approach and take the synthesizers out. If you think back to 1984, I mean, I'd really like your opinion on this because you certainly know more about it than I do. 1984, you could possibly argue, is maybe the pin, uh, maybe the, the height of that synthesizer movement, maybe, or, or it would have been yeah, around I mean, it then, was, surely. It was, it was massive at that point. Was yeah. that Rio that year? Rio was 86. Okay, okay, but but it was, it was fucking well, no, At huge. that point, Duran Duran were on, well, definitely their self-titled album would have come out by then. You'd have, you would have had a couple of Depeche Mode albums, and that would have been Vince Clark era Depeche Mode as well. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of... Gary Newman mm-hmm. was a big, big star on on top of the pops in the charts at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a, a big thing. In that case, I can probably make an even better example. Then, nineteen eighty six with uh, the Color of Spring, yeah. when by that point Hollis had completely abandoned the synthesizers mm-hmm. um, and was very um, keen, well, adamant that all the instruments be organic. And that was completely and utterly against what the zeitgeist was at that point in time. At that point of time, it was all about electronic sounds and and and, and it was electronic, electro, electro, like yeah. that's everything that it was about. And it was about garishness, if you'll permit me. It was about larger than life, yeah, neon. garish neon things. Um and the color of spring is not that. Spirit of Eden is certainly no, not that. It's so not. far away of, from that. You think of kind of red braces, you know, Patrick Bateman, nineteen eighties, yeah. the decade of excess. This is the absolute opposite to that completely. And you know, to kind of to bring it to Mark Hollis, who you know, like we say, passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it feels it feels kind of it feels ironic, um, and it, but it, it feels kind of oddly. And it feels very sad, but it feels kind of oddly fitting um, for us to be talking about this in the same week as Keith Flint. Because on one hand, you have Keith Flint, who is a man who was, like you said before, a cartoon character, an, an, an iconic presence and figure. Keith, No one gravitated towards Keith Flint because of his musical ability. He was not really a musician. He wasn't a singer. He was a dancer. He was a dancer in The <laughs> Prodigy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but he had such personality and he had such uh, a kind of larger than life you know well we've already said about Keith Flint what he was and and that's great and we want those kind of characters in, in, in our scene but also the flip of that is someone like Mark Hollis yeah, yeah. who is as nondescript as normal a man who gave up he gave up being in talk talk because he felt like he couldn't be he couldn't make music and tour and be a, a good enough father to his kids right that's why he gave up music like he made it i think it was 1998 he put out a solo album um which is the the last thing he did and then he was like i can't be the father i want to be to my kids if i go and, and do this life and there doesn't seem to be any kind of pretense or any kind of interest in the trappings of fame in the the merry-go-round of celebrity 
in the you know the excesses of 1980s fame that is does not appear to even register for someone like Mark Hollis you know Keith Flint could stand on the festival in a festival and he could go anywhere and he would get mobbed yeah. because he is an icon people go that is that guy oh my god he's part of you know like I said intrinsically linked to Mark Hollis could probably walk down Oxford Street on the busiest day at the height of his fame could walk down the busiest city centre for, for two hours and probably never get stopped I don't think I know what Mark Hollis looked like till he passed away truthfully and you know and yet he is a legitimate single-minded musical mm. genius mm. Mm. i think i think it is this whole thing of seeing the bigger picture and like i say going back to that zeitgeist thing you know seeing the bigger picture and going well synthesizers are cool now but yeah. that you know being able to see through it and see that it's probably just a fad at the time i'm not suggesting synthesizer and you know things go in waves and synthesizer kind of back in a sense at the moment yeah. but by uh by by changing to organic instruments and um uh getting rid of those synthesizers at the time when they were massively popular i think spirit of eden has dated specifically and probably the last three talk talk records as well far better than the majority of 80s records well, it's funny isn't it because this is not the first 80s record that i've given you i've given you a fair few yeah you give me loads and this is the first time we haven't gone i had to get over the production yes absolutely because this could have been recorded in 1968 or yeah today yeah exactly mm. and i think that is the mark of the genius of mark hollis yeah. I, I think that i think those are the artists that we are very keen on um raising putting on a pedestal and mm. and, and, and saying this is what is you know someone who bats away those you know celebrity and so on and so forth and whatever to just concentrate on the art and emi dropped in because they couldn't effectively because they couldn't get a single they out didn't of it, think to they were good it. To sell it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and you know uh, neither spirit spirit of eden or laughing stock did i don't think either of them were like huge commercial failures that neither of them did as well as um the color of no, spring no, no, no. they were a drop-off from that point of view but i think the legacy is people still talk about the influence of spirit of eden particularly and, yeah. and I, that's probably color of money as well i'd say uh color of spring sorry um and the influence of talk talk and hollis now mm. and and you know that I, I i don't i know you love I know you really love Duran Duran. Yeah. I know you really love Depeche, Depeche Mode. And I'm not saying those artists have not had influence on people. But I doubt they've had as much of an influence as wide ranging as Talk Talk has. No, no, there's, there's no, you know, like I said, in terms, I would say, like for me personally, I would say in terms of both, in terms of quality, I think this is the best record we've spoken about on, on, on Trade Off. And in terms of influence, I think there is a gaping, open, wide, yeah. unreachable chasm between this and the second most influential album which i you know i don't even know what that is off the top of my head but there is it's it's not even 
you know it's not even a fair fight because no. it's th because this record is is so massively influential and when you think even when they went on on laughingstock even when they went onto verve which is a jazz label wow. even verve went we can't put this out oh really yeah oh interesting so i mean you know but do listen to, to it but, oh, but oh my god listen to it I mean, please yeah, listen to it, yeah. it um yeah it wasn't uh i mean to put it in, i've got it actually i've got it up in front of me now color of spring got to number eight in the uk right um and was certified gold, gold wasn't it yeah yeah where spirit of eden peaked at number 19 in the uk yeah didn't chart in the us whereas it's the first album not to chart in the us billboard 200 right and um and was certified silver which uh, is hardly bad. Not bad, actually, is it? Yeah. You know? There's Laughing Stock um, peaked at 26 in the UK. Again, did not chart in the US. Um, did not chart anywhere apart from the UK at 26, in France at 26, and number 60 in the Netherlands, mm. and has mm. not been certified at all. Mm. Mm. So you know, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's a slow burn the talk talk discography and and i have to say like as someone as i always you know i knew that a couple of the singles and i always assumed that i would probably struggle to get on board with yeah some of the other stuff and it's only really been like i said to you you know like it was last year where i really started going oh i need to go back and listen to all those yeah those kind of bands yeah. that i grew up liking to see if they've you know and it's meant that you know i really love the Depeche Modes and the Duran yeah. Durans and the Pet Shop Boys and um, and Erasure and all those sort of bands that I a new order that I really really love and I did always used to love and I've kind of fallen back in love with that sound again, but it made me go well who else was there and Talk Talk were one of the bands I was like oh yeah Talk Talk right I never properly listened to the albums that you know that I I, I should have listened to and so I have not really been that sort of. Uh, I've not had a long relationship with, with right, records. Right, right. I've not had a long relationship with any of their records. Right, really. right, right. But um, but I have had in the last six months or so, an, a bit of an obsession with Talk Talk. I can totally see. I can. I think. <laughs> I can really well, see. Spirit of Eden is already like taken over my life. Mm. Um, I I understand that I do have a sort of predisposition disposition uh, a disposition towards these records and you know in terms of loving all this stuff and understanding a lot of stuff that came after it but i will say i was stunned at how immediate spirit of eden was to me um i think i've said to you before there's been records where um i've started playing them that you've given to me on trade-off and yeah. i've ordered them you know I've, I've stopped it on like track two and ordered it immediately the the first track admittedly it's nine minutes long but the rainbow finished i just paused it very quickly to order it on amazon i was just like, I'm, i know this is i know yeah. i love this so yeah i i suppose don't be like me or, or you i suppose don't be like steve and please please listen to but i i would say particularly spirit of eden i suppose you say color of spring as well i i, I think the last three you yeah it's like <laughs> you wouldn't say Oh, you, you must listen to Ride the Lightning, but, you know, don't bother with Master of Puppets. No. I, I, I wouldn't... The only caveat I'd say, I wouldn't start with Laughingstock. No, no. Uh, I, would, I, I probably wouldn't start with Laughingstock either. But, but Laughingstock, I, like, you know, I, you should really... Uh, should, you but, should really start with Spirit of Eden, I think. Okay. I, I, I was going to suggest Colour of Spring, even though I don't like it as much as Spirit mm. of Eden. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're not a post-rock aficionado... 
Mm. Color of Spring will be the one. Like as you know, that it's my personal favorite, mm-hmm. and I'm aware mm-hmm. that it's probably the least accomplished and the least interesting, really. But it's just like of those you know, three, of those yeah. three, yeah. I mean, even Matt, I've got it's my life on vinyl up there. Ah, right. The, that album, that's a really good album. As right, well. right, right. But it's it's. But I wouldn't have given that to you. I've not ventured to the first two yet. I'm. I'm yeah, I, I've, I'm still getting a lot out of yeah. these three. As I said, I've only yeah. heard Laughing Stock once. Um, that three is as good a run in as you'll find in music. Mm, yeah, 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 very much Th- so. That is, it, is, it is like Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets. Yep. Although maybe you could, I mean, if you're going to be proper, you could swap Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets with, with you know, Spirit of Eden should be Master Puppets rather than, although I actually think Ride the Lightning's probably the best Metallica record of that three. Oh, fucking hell, that's another conversation. That's a very different conversation. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's the Master of Puppets is the one that people always talk about the most. So mm. Spirit of Eden would be the Master of Puppets equivalent. Mm. Mm. Spirit of Eden is definitely my favourite of the three, but they're all worth your time, definitely. Mm. Very, very much so. Yeah. And um, again, you know, uh, rest in peace, Mark Hollis, who uh, is much like Keith Flint. You wonder when you're going to see someone like that again, infiltrating and doing the things he did i mean especially to do it and the kind of the the low you know the with the low level of celebrity to do it the way he did is um i don't know what's more impressive they're both equally as impressive as each other mm. those characters although very very different the kind of fire and ice of uh of the music that we cover it remind this reminds me of having sort of speaking about those two together it almost reminds me of um david bowie died a few days after lemmy and Jonathan mm. Seltzer at Metal Hammer wrote this amazing piece comparing Lemmy and, and, and David Bowie and how they were both re- like equally as inspiring as each other, but completely different from mm. each other. And I feel like that's sort of what we've got this week. Mm. I, I'm just nodding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there you go. That was our chat on uh, Talk Talk Spirit of Eden. And uh, we'll be back next week. Oh, next week for trade-off. We're actually going to give it a miss for a week. Yes. It's going to be two weeks away. Do you want to? Are we allowed to share this knowledge? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll let you do it if you like. Uh, are you talking about guests or, yeah. or trade off? We have two guests come on the show. We should have done this at the top of the show, but no, nah, it's fine. We have two. Surprise if people have tuned out. Banging on that post rock. So next week we uh, are welcoming Serena from Svalbard and Jamila from Ithaca. Yeah. For uh, which is going to be interesting. Going to ask them what it's like to be a girl in the band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was going to be my first question um, uh, so yeah uh, and obviously we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago but uh, Steve wrote this very very good piece about mm. women in metal um, took that ball and ran with it <laughs> uh, Jamila and Serena um, took Steve's well they took some of the comments that had yeah. been used on your piece some of the more um, uh, ignorant comments and um responded to them responded to them yeah so um, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll be talking about more than just that oh but yes we yes. will be talking yes, about absolutely. that but they'll be there but so it, basically what it means is they'll be here next week so we're gonna fuck i think off, i think it'll be, it would be it would be silly not to, to oh of course talk, we, to bring we, we'll up, talk yeah. about it but yeah we're gonna uh, t- we're also reviewing louise lemont venom prison and angel dust absolutely so that'll be next week but for two weeks from now we are still going to, we're going to do a, a trade-off. So yeah. what are you going to give me in two weeks' time? I'm going to give you on the Talk Talk... Uh, uh, motif. Motif, thank you very much. Um, I'm welcome. going to give you an album which I think... I, I, I hugely assume was influenced by Talk Talk and Mark Hollis um, in the post-rock sphere, because uh, that seems to make sense. So I'm yep. going to give you the self-titled album from This Will Destroy You. Okay, cool. Uh, 
I'm going to stick in the 80s, Renfrey. Okay. So I'm going to give you something <laughs> which is going to be, be talk, talk, a little bit harder for you to stomach. get over stomach, I reckon. I'm going to give you another soundtrack because when we did Batman, everyone loved that, didn't they? We and did we got Batman. on Wikipedia. And we got on Wikipedia. Let's, Let's try see that if we again. can do it again. Yeah. I'm going to give you the original soundtrack from the movie The Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Very good. All yeah. right. Lost Boys OST. Yeah. Have you seen the film The Lost Boys? I'm, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say I haven't. You're reading worms, my girl. Um, <laughs> Should that, I watch the movie before as well? You should watch the movie all the anyway, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, if I get time, I'll try and watch the film as well. I wanted to watch it the other day and it's not on anything. Oh, really? It's not on YouTube. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Amazon Prime. Is it not on DVD? It's probably on DVD. What, are you going to buy a DVD, granddad? Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll yeah. see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Um, shout out Musicism, musicism.net. $9.99 for your courses. Put Riot in capital letters in the, in the checkout. You get 25% off. You'll be a better singer. You'll be a better guitarist. You'll be a better songwriter. And we will love you for it and, and leave you there. Love you and leave you, Renfrew. Yeah, one thing really quickly. Go you on. didn't give a shout out to me column at the beginning. Oh, so let's well, do I it thought now. you were going to bring that up. Go on. Uh, I started writing a weekly column for our friends at Musicism. Yes, you did. Uh, and you should, uh, you should check it out if you would like to. It's on the Musicism website. But... I will bring it up again next week because okay. we forgot to say it at the top yeah, of the show. All right. Anyway, <laughs> but we'll be back next week. As I said, Venom Prison, Louise Lamont and Angel Dust will be chatting about. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>